Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a Doctor Who positive commentary podcast. This is an omnibus edition, appropriate given the choice of story that we've lopped off the credits of each instalment of this podcast, in which I have to guess my guests' favourite things about their chosen adventure. Midway sending now, Godborough receiving now. Yes, hello everybody. I, uh, Toby, hi. I am Jay Butler-Moore and I'm a local government minion in my working life and um, a songwriter and I'm on YouTube and SoundCloud and stuff and I'm in a band called Dirge. But I'm here to talk about my seven favourite things uh, about the seeds of death. Well, hello everybody. Uh, Welcome to this episode of Happy Times and Places, which begins a new story for us, The Seeds of Death, starring Patrick Troughton. So we've heard from Jay, who uh, is going to be in charge of us for the next six episodes, telling us what to like. I'd be interested to see what I... I I haven't really sort of thought about this before now. I just went, what am I in the mood to watch? I, I, I knew I needed to do a Troughton, and the Troughton I most wanted to watch. Uh, that I had somebody uh, prepared for was this one. So um, here we go. Bit of Patrick Troughton. And I want you to press play in three, two, one, go. Oh, she went three, two, one on the video. That's quite funny. Um, So uh, I am watching the special edition. Uh, I've had this in many forms because this was the first VHS I bought for something ridiculous like, I mean, I saved up and it was Christmas and birthday money. Uh, and it was, was it 49 99 It was, I mean, it was the equivalent of a car. I mean, it was really expensive. It was before, I remember when videos went down to nine ninety nine, and that seemed like they were, uh, you know, a, a bargain compared to what they used to be like because you had to get them for sort of, the prices that rental shops would buy them for and they would get that money back so so i had the whole of the seeds of death edited together in one long form from whichever prints they could grab uh oh and this was a shock to me when i got the the longer version because because the music because obviously it, it cut out the bit where it said part one it's a very odd choice of computer voice um it's not like many computer voices that we know from Doctor Who. Um, Michael Ferguson is a very interesting director and he makes very interesting choices, especially on sort of who he, who he chooses to shoot and things like that. Um, Rick Felgate, who was Michael Ferguson, the director's brother-in-law. Uh, was he married to Michael Ferguson's sister, I think? Yes. And then his sister, Rick Felgate's sister, was Cynthia Felgate, who was in charge of play school. I think that's how it worked. Um, lots of interesting shots already. Uh, he, he always keeps it visually interesting without, I would say, being avant-garde Michael Ferguson. And I, I realised that actually the last story I did for this, um, which also has lots of shots of people's feet before you see them, is uh, The War Machines, which is also directed by Michael Ferguson. Now, I normally try and mix it up a bit to get a bit of variety, and he, he only directed four stories. Um, but, oh, there was a bit of a wobbly console, not a wobbly set. That's uh, that's different. Uh, uh, I'll allow a wobbly console. Um, 
the 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 mark that now this is this is very interesting this because uh this shot because uh whoever's talking is out of focus uh in this scene between miss kelly and harry tauber's osgood uh 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 well for, yeah for for, for for, 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 yeah, for at least the beginning of that scene, he chooses to go out of focus on the person that's talking and in focus for the person that isn't. Uh, and as I say, it's sort of because you're sort of shooting live, as it were, as live. Um, I always thought that was a bit weird that he sort of blows her a kiss, but it looks a bit strange because um, uh, he's shooting as live. Um, you know, he's always mixing it up a little bit, and and I th and and so I think there are some bits that you probably wouldn't. I like the, I like the way Brent goes. Uh, good he got here before the old man arrived he's very natural he's a very naturalistic actor i think rick felgate um in, in never plays particularly no he always plays parts that he brings good value to that are never sort of showy parts and so he isn't showy he he, he does absolutely the job i i i uh, the, it amuses me that the, the fact that we had a close-up of harry tauber's osgood's briefcase and i think that's a gag isn't it it's going we're all in futuristic costumes and all of that but here's a guy with a briefcase like a civil servant and i it, it has to be a sort of gag because it's the sort of thing that my brothers and sisters would have looked at and go oh god they're all in space but they've got briefcases but i think i think they're sort of going these are all civil servants these are all middle-aged guys on on their way to work uh, and, and I think they've embraced that. Um, I, I have to say, I'm not sure I think the uh, workwear of choice for men in the future is the most flattering because they are all middle-aged men with these sort of funny one pieces that show where their pants would be, uh, which, which I think is a choice, I guess. Um, but uh, so it's sort of shiny. It's probably quite sweaty as well. Sweaty, and it shows you where your pants are. Uh, and there's a camera crash into a console. Um, but I like Harry Taub, an excellent actor, uh, and a very recognisable face on, on television. And yet both times he's in Doctor Who, he's brought in to be sort of, oh, yeah, he's the actor we know. Oh, they've killed him! Uh, because he also gets eaten by a chair. No, well, suffocated by a chair in terror of the Autons. So Harry Taub is basically brought into Doctor Who twice, to be a, a shock death. Um, oh, Christopher Cole, who, as I record this, has just passed away. I love Christopher Cole, who is Phipps and also uh, Stubbs in The Mutants. Uh, Martin Court there, uh, uh, who'd been in The Keys of Marinus. Don't do anything. Now, Harvey, we never hear about again. I wonder if Harvey is... No, Harvey must be in the script. But I, I wondered if Michael Ferguson had chucked him in to have a stunt because it's Alan Chuns, of course, brilliant uh, stuntman who, who dies by hurling himself over the console. But later on, when they when, when Fusion has to lie about what's happened to everybody, he goes, uh, Osgood just went out and uh, Locke was ki killed by Osgood. Nobody goes, and, and Harvey? What happened to him? Harvey is, is basically just on the missing persons list in the future. Nobody ever knows what happened to Harvey and nobody actually asks or or cares um poor old harvey osgood's gone too far this time god i watched this over and over again because it was it was the only video i had i mean i'd sometimes watch it twice in a day um but this episode was sort of whited it was a not very good quality episode two is much better uh, and so the bridge between episodes one and two the quality suddenly improves because they just got whatever copy they had on the shelf 
Um, I mean, Harry Taub is not in this very long at all, is he? Uh, he's very good. Uh, he's a very good actor um, and and continued acting right up to the end. He had quite a decent stint in EastEnders. Was he married by Janine or something like that? But he's in all the carry-ons and he, even in the uh, the the day-to-day. So he crossed he crossed uh, you know comedy generations. Worked a lot for the National Theatre. Excellent, excellent. And he wrote the obituary for Alan Tilvern, who played Forrester in Planet of Giants for The Guardian, I think. So they were mates. Uh, and 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 he did the Roger Delgado documentary for 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 john kelly um so he was around when we were doing the range but i never had the pleasure and then then he died and it was like oh um because uh, you sort of thought he was still around he was still working um and a death by mirror there so i mean so, so far one of the you know one of the more familiar faces uh has has been the first to die and i i love the way and I, there must be have been recording breaks and things so it's so it feels quite unusual already that because you've got everything done from the point of view of the monster so you don't see the monster um ronald lee hunt as uh commander radner must have thought is uh, all his christmases had come at once because uh weren't the first two dvds or certain no no amongst the first two vhs's sorry were revenge of the cybermen and the seeds of doom uh, seeds of death and he's in both of them uh so he must have had a, a, a bumper set of royalty checks he gets a slightly he his is not wipe clean his costume his is slightly more absorbent so obviously if you if you if, if you're of a higher rank you get uh, you get a bit of felt uh, on in your costume rather than uh shiny latex whatever it is so how far are we in this is the first we've seen of the tardis crew so the story is well and truly underway uh, I like the starting of the of the shot of the TARDIS console. It's always a sign of a good a good piece of uh, design if you can start with a close up of it. Um, and 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 uh, I I, the, I I love Zoe's costume from the Crotons. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, it's a, yes, it's a nice little setup, isn't it? Of where, where on earth are we? Um, uh, and uh, and of course the Doctor, he looks good in his short sleeved shirt, doesn't he? And 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 it's it, I I quite like the way he's he's sort of going that the 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 control is stiff, which means that if if we don't quite we we're not going to be able to match up completely what the camera outside is doing with me twisting the thing, and it doesn't matter because it's jerky because I'm I'm struggling with it myself. He's got a brilliant face, hasn't he? Look at that that deep in deep in thought. You can see the the, the machinery whirring inside his head. He's so he's so clever and. Uh, uh, interesting uh trend. it's quite an odd museum this and it's quite odd what 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 the tardis camera manages to pick up as well um has it suddenly got a close-up of of that that we're in a museum the, the space but but not not the space museum look yeah what i mean hang on where's what's the camera on now are those pictures in the space museum or are or, or has Eldred got a Spitfire next to a hot air balloon. It's now it's never quite explained, uh, but I, lo- I I love the the way these three look on camera and they look as a gang. Uh, wait for me! Uh, I love the way it trots out. Look at that; he's brilliant. Uh, and they must be going from. It's recording, but I wonder because because with with him putting the coat on it, you know, you feel like you're going from the inside to the outside that's very very clever 
So yeah, there's Gagarin. I mean, I'm presumably it's just Gagarin's because they haven't got a stuffed Yuri Gagarin in in the in the museum. Um, but but where's the Spitfire and the hot air balloon? Um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe the it was the TARDIS's psychic psychic circuits picking up what was in the museum's archives or something. And this is this is very handy uh, to let us know that this story is about T-Mat, um, which is an interesting choice for Professor Eldred's museum, especially as his one character trait is that he hates T-Mat and likes rockets. Uh, but, but again, that's a lovely, you know, where are they? And the guy's pulled a gun on them. Oh, Terry Scully as Fushim. Um, what a difficult task he has to pull off because he's he's very weedy and he's uh, he will do anything to stay alive. Um, and yet he's terribly sympathetic and he has to do quite sort of histrionic stuff. And you need an actor with believable nervous energy. And and I think he's a br he's an excellent piece of casting. Um, and and I think a lot of actors would struggle to pitch this performance right, and he he gets it bang on. Uh, and I and I think as 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 uh, history tells us that um, you know there was a there was a sort of nervous quality about about dear old Terry Scully. He had a nervous breakdown when he's playing Vic Thatcher in Survivors, and uh, and didn't work for a bit, and was replaced in Survivors because he couldn't carry on filming and uh so so obviously you know he's channeling a lot of his own uh you know twitchy twitchy uh, vulnerability uh, all of which comes through and makes him a you know a, a, a likable and and uh a, a vulnerable performer um but of course at, at what cost uh what we get obviously all down the line is 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 uh is uh, is an excellent performance um that's what we get out of it so we must be grateful because uh uh look and the camera can stay on him while all this is happening because normally in a scene like this you'd you'd be on the monster talking but we can't see the monster yet but it trusts the actor and it's quite right to because he's great uh, and I like, and Christopher Cole has, has there was, he has a solid dependability, a, a, a straightforward decency about him. Uh, I, I was always very cross because I like Phipps uh, and uh, I want to live. Yeah, see, that's really hard. And I, and no, not people wouldn't, not, a lot of people wouldn't go that far with that. Or if they did, they wouldn't pull it off. And I, I think he's, he's great. Um he loves this set, Michael Ferguson. Look at that. I go, right, Louise, the lovely Louise Peo, stand behind that perspex and be out of focus again, because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of setting up in this episode, and I'm going to make it look really interesting. Uh, Michael Ferguson, one of the great Doctor Who directors. Uh, look at the depth of field there, or whatever you call it. A man far away and and, and somebody up close. Uh, I I I like uh, uh, you know I like the way that he's positioning his actors here, e even though I mean poor old Ronald. I suspect Ronald Lee Hunt probably turned up in a in a tweed jacket and a cravat 
Do you know what I mean? And uh, uh, and, and probably was very dignified and probably, uh, you know, had a cigarette and going, so what am I wearing, darling? They go, uh, this sort of rather shabby one piece. <laughs> uh, I, 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 and, and Hugh Morton turns up, like you've got all these sort of rather grand, uh, 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 respectable um very you know very british fellows <laughs> and you at least philip ray as eldred gets a, uh, a a plastic tank top it's not a tank top is it what they called those those shorts the body warmers um that he looks like he's he sort of looks a bit like he skinned an ice warrior doesn't he uh, uh but um oh i saw somebody in the crew i saw a bit of shadow there uh behind jamie interesting um what, yeah why have i uh philip ray was uh he uh he's in one of the hancocks isn't he is he the 12 angry men of the of the hancock um i remember um i remember once being phoned up when they were doing this dvd actually and it was steve broster who was making the uh the uh uh, the 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 new making of, uh, and he said, "Toby, I'm interviewing Wendy Padbury, and we can't remember the name of the guy who played Professor Eldred." I went, "Philip Ray," and I went, "Right, thank you very much. Bye." <laughs> I mean, thank God for the internet. I mean, they had the internet then, so I don't know why they phoned me. Maybe they had a bad bad internet signal, but they could get a phone, so they sent out the uh, the you know put up the anorak signal or whatever. But anyway, I was happy to help. Um, I, I always, I was, as, you know, as somebody that watched Doctor Who from afar in the countryside in the middle of nowhere, the idea that I might even have an imprint. So I don't, because I don't think I'm on the, uh, the my, my ex-wife narrates that documentary actually. Um, but uh, uh, I, uh, or she narrates one called Lords of, the, yeah, she narrates a documentary that's on there anyway. Uh, but um, so actually, I wonder if this is her complimentary copy. Oh dear, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, yes. But so the idea that I might have even the smallest little fingerprint uh, on on an official release that that I'm otherwise, you know, fills me as well. Especially as this was my first. As a, it was slightly sport for me because I didn't get many Doctor Who magazines, but um, there was a Doctor Who magazine uh, that I did get for some reason. Uh, and somebody had written in and said, on the VHS of uh, uh, the, the the Seeds of Death, you know, where where are the cliffhangers? Because it's all been edited together. And I, as a you know, as a fan, I'd like to know where the cliffhangers are. So obviously, Doctor Who magazine said, well, there this one. There's uh, the, the the end of episode one uh, is where Locke gets killed. And so when as soon as Locke comes on, you go, well, I know he's going to die. Then at the end episode three, Brent touches the seed thing, and it and you go well he's presumably gonna die then so that's brent well i know he's gonna die uh, uh, episode four uh phipps is killed and then bloody 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 so you go okay phipps dies so so you suddenly go well i'm i sort of pretty much know how every single supporting character dies now and for some reason i knew osgood died early on um so actually pr pretty much the fate of it, and one of the reasons you know you i, I you like stories like this and they're populated with actors characters played by good actors is that it's that thing of the poseidon adventure or the towering of you play the game of 
oh, I, I like them. I hope they don't die. Or who's going to die next? Or they're asking for trouble. They're going to die. Um, and so, so I had that joy, if you like, taken away from me with this one because I pretty much knew when everybody was going to die. Uh, uh, so I, yeah, so so that, that was a that was a bit of a shame for me, I have to say, um, uh, because the, yeah, I'd got that magazine before, uh, before before I got the I got the you play your game, we'll play ours. Uh, Martin Court um, is uh, is still about. I occasionally have a drink with Martin in in London. Uh, he was still great friends with Peter Stenson, who was also with him aboard they were both in the keys of marinus martin plays several parts in the keys of marinus so it's it's interesting to see him turn up here because he did you know he did that sort of he did quite a lot of early telly but then has sort of largely directed theater and things like that but he's still about going strong uh he's actually a facebook friend of mine under his real name um which i won't share with you because because Sorry, that sounded. That didn't, didn't mean so. I'm not going. I'm squandering this uh, small part of player in Doctor Who. I just, it's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a private thing. Um, uh, I poor old Louise Payer has to spend the whole thing sort of looking rather superior. She was Australian. Uh, she was a. Uh, 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 and 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 quite a sort of, I I did a thing with her. I I thought I'd never get the chance to meet her, and I actually did. I did a uh, a commentary with her for, for Phantom Films, and it was a joy for me because I'm I I rather like Miss Kelly. Uh, she's she's good fun, uh, and uh, because she was you know Australia based, I thought, well, I'm never going to get the chance. Um, and and she she sort of intimated she would do a who's round, and I emailed her, and I never heard back, and and I think it's because she she got a bit poorly, and then she was better or. Uh, Something had happened in her personal life. So anyway, but I don't. If somebody doesn't reply, I don't then badger them. Um, but then, a couple of years later, I had the the opportunity, and she. I'm sure she used the phrase "dog's balls" about something, to, which tells you all you need to know about how perhaps different Luis Payer was from the the very, uh, you know, proper Miss Kelly, and and quite. And she's very British, isn't she? But uh, she was, she was, she was quite Australian. Uh, I, I, sorry, Australian listeners, but I, 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 I consider using the phrase "dog's balls" to be quite Australian. I don't know why. Uh, uh, I, I quite like the fact that Eldred then tells him to to stuff it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ronald Lee Hunt's an, an an odd sort of actor because it's it, it fulfills a, a great purpose in in an, a great number of British programs, but it, it it's a certain sort of stoical, sort of stiff kind of acting that uh, that we don't do anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but he absolutely looks looks the part. Um, But I, yes, I don't know how how interesting an actor he is, um, and I and and yeah, that is one heck of a costume. And, and I love, yeah, I suppose I suppose no, you can do that now. You can switch a call through, but quite like the fact that yeah, the Moonbase can call Commander Radner 
on on Professor Eldred's telly. Um, so yeah, this is where Martin Court gets it. Although he is in next week, and that's a great. That's great. The, all those cu- quick cuts again because you know the multi camera thing. The, 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 Michael Ferguson is, you know, he, he he keeps the pace going. Those those cuts from face to face to face. Uh, That's a terrific episode ending, and that's a great because it's a fantastic. The makeup, uh, well, the the half mask on Alan Bennion, the mighty, the legendary Alan Bennion as Sla is uh, is is a is a cracking close up uh, for the end. Um, uh, and it's a reveal that the Ice Warriors are back, of course, which uh, Steve Peters took us ages to discover. Uh, what happened to him and uh, and he found out very recently uh and i'll tell you about that next week guys um <laughs> hold your horses um yeah if you, uh michael ferguson yeah because if you want to know trivial facts about people in doctor who who play small roles i'm your man can you wire a plug toby no i can't uh, I, <laughs> and I mean, to be honest, you know, you don't even need to phone me to ask me who Professor Eldred was anymore because you can just look on IMDb. I, they could have done then, as I say, perhaps they had a bad signal. But we've had technology has moved on since. I don't think there were iPhones in those days. Or maybe there were. Um, right. So what has my special guest, who I largely know from um, being very sensible on the Internet, uh, and Jay is going to tell me about episode one. Oh, I've got to choose my favourite thing. Oh, what's my favourite thing about episode one? Well, I can see Michael Ferguson's name. I've pressed pause. Am I going to say Michael Ferguson? Get him out of the way? Because he's going to. He's going to feature at some point because he is such a good director. Um, yeah, because of all that clever shoot. Yeah, I'm going to say Michael Ferguson because of the the clever point of view stuff with the alien, the the the, the quick cutting, the way he shoots people through the sets, the way he he's always on the move to make it fascinating and to make it fast paced. Um, and there's a lot of exposition in that episode, but he. You know, he keeps it, he keeps it interesting. Michael Ferguson, I maybe should have gone for him for my overall thing at the end, but he might get claimed before that. There's tactics involved in this silly thing that I've set up. <laughs> right, here we go. Um, so my first favourite thing coming in right at the beginning is the music. Um, I actually have the music that... Um, music right at the beginning is my ringtone so I've kind of broken that for myself because whenever I watch this DVD I always think my phone's ringing as soon as it starts um so yeah there's that music and there's also the kind of jaunty sort of music when there's chases and stuff uh so yeah that's my first favorite thing the music is great I mean, I, I've I actually when I when I 
when I knew I was going to be doing, when I decided this afternoon that I would probably do this one, and I'm building up to it because I'd actually got another track and planned, and I just thought, no, what am I in the mood for? And I thought, and I thought about uh, this, and, I, and then I just, I did, I found myself going, uh, bang, dong, dong, bang, dong, and, and doing, it is a rather, it's a bit of a racket, I actually think, the music, It's because it's a bit, there aren't many the tunes sort of go all over the place i'm not musical so i can't describe what it is i'm trying to explain but it it is a kind of discordant racket um that also has a slight sort of weird charm about it uh, it's slightly eccentric um uh, it's it's a bit sort of step to and sun in space um but anyway uh so i i'm charmed by it and because obviously it's piece of all pieces of music that are rattling around my head because i watched this episode this story so many times um and interesting because I, I it's not one i choose to watch much very often now because i think i you know i i devoured it it's like my my brother liked marmite and then one day sat in it a whole jar threw up and never had it again i think um, so it's not Marmite, the Seeds of Death, as in you either love it or loathe it, like Love and Monsters or something like that. Uh, it's Marmite that if 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 you eat, if you eat the whole thing a lot, uh, you eventually don't need to eat it anymore. Um, but I enjoyed that. That's a really good opening episode. That's a really strong. There's plenty of incident. They kill a famous actor. Uh, Ferguson keeps it rattling along. Uh, we've we're introduced to the the storyline the invasion on the moon but also the the theme which is don't put all your eggs into a travel map booth um but also get over the rocket thing mate uh, <laughs> um but you know there's that thing about new technology and uh doctor who's occasional seeing as it's about traveling in space and time the occasional story where it goes yes but I, we really should just do thing with things with sticks and water because technology is you know terribly dangerous you know you know you're making science fiction i know <laughs> but science fiction has a habit of that going isn't it go look at all these wondrous future things that will kill you or be bad um but bad is not what the seeds of death is that was fun i enjoyed it uh, i'm going to watch episode two now you are going to have to come back to this podcast uh next time Fly me to the moon. Actually, don't. It's full of ice warriors because it's episode two of The Seeds of Death. Uh, and myself and Jay are going to watch it. Then Jay will highlight a favourite thing. And then uh, I will see if the thing I have highlighted is the same. So I want you to press play in three, two, one. You, you might not be able to quite sync with me because I think my DVD player burped or something happened or... Anyway, um, so this is quite a, an, an unusual experience for me because I I had this on edited together videotape. So I'd actually not seen uh, that close-up of Sla because they don't have that final shot in the, the video. Uh this is this is Jay's favourite thing from episode one, or first favourite thing, and it's this um, very strange uh, music. But I, I do like this uh, this opening because again, another thing you didn't know from having the VHS that was all edited together is that 
you have this sort of model sequence um, of Earth and the Moon, uh, and it sort of starts off on you know highlighting whichever one the action is on. I think I think it's different depending on on where we start the action. Uh, kill him, dum dum dum. And I think I think episode two cuts in here where block falls, and suddenly the quality gets actually pretty much like this. The quality of episode two on the VHS is absolutely marvelous, and uh, 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 Phipps has a very lucky escape there. Um, uh, and Martin Court, bless him, uh, gets an episode fee for uh, falling over again and being dead on the floor. Uh, there's a few actors who have that where they get to just uh, uh, come and reenact their death from the cliffhanger in the Troutnera. Bernard Holly does it in uh, Tomb of the Cybermen. And Nick Zaran does it as Lieutenant Sorber, Lieutenant Sorber in... Uh, is it Lieutenant Sorber? I can't remember. In the, in the, I don't know if they do the American pronunciation. In the Space Pirates. That's for when I do the Space Pirates. Um, look at Terry Scully being craven. And yeah, Martin Court... Uh, at least gets a close-up in death. Um, uh, so, yes, so uh, I bought this from John Fitton Books and Magazines. I ordered it, and you sent off for it. You wrote a check, uh, and then you waited, I think, a while. I think it took a while for stuff to come. But John Fitton Books and Magazines uh, was uh, uh, it was advertised in, in Doctor Who magazine. Um uh, and uh, I, yeah, pretty sure it was. I, I saved up pretty much everything that I had because the idea that you would own six episodes of Doctor Who, uh, uh, and and but even then, you own six episodes of Doctor Who that somebody thought, well, to make it more accessible, what we'll do is we'll chop the episode endings and beginnings off and edit it to, into a movie because we don't want people to think it was a serial. What what would they do when the episode ends? Well, they they might switch off, not realizing that there's more or whatever. But that sort of butchery. But um, at least with this, they they kept all of the action because I know Pyramids of Mars is missing, is is missing various. They decided to trim it down a little bit. And Brain of Morbius, they released the, uh, you know, the the, the fifty minute version. Oh, so I, I certainly didn't buy that. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen the fifty minute version. Uh, um. So, so they so they now we've got this subplot about well it's interesting about about the rockets and and it's it's this kind of yeah don't uh, don't trust new technology go with the old stuff um or or it's useful to have a backup plan which i think is not the most revolutionary of ideas i i i think i i think perhaps the yeah the government have been fairly short-sighted uh, going let's 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 just Let's just put put everything into uh, into TMAT. Um, but when I did the intro to this, and I said, you know, the, let's go to the moon. Oh no, the 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 ice warriors are there. This is essentially a bit a bit. This is the moon base with ice warriors, isn't it? Essentially, and of course, the ice warriors were not at this point a classic monster. They've only been there once, and they're called ice warriors because they're found in the ice. 
but it's a good job this wasn't their first story. Otherwise, presumably they'd be called Moon Warriors. Uh, <laughs> or uh, you know, if their first story is the Curse of Peladon, they'd be called um, Nice Warriors. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> the Monster of Peladon, they'd be called Not Nice Anymore Warriors. Um, um, I wonder why they said we need a man with a blocked up nose voice for the computer uh, which suddenly changes uh, its uh, 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 the goes down an octave or whatever it's uh, yeah um, so anyway yes uh, in in the moon base um, I can't get over Ronald Lee Hunt's really baggy outfit with and it's e <laughs> with its quite high belt and it's pa- I mean it's Bobby Bartlett who's a wonderfully monikered costume designer uh, who does a, a a nice job um uh with the with the ice lord which I know uh the television companion um points out uh, is is never said on screen because they say it for every single it's not the television companion it's the handbooks the how uh, stammers and walker have done some brilliant uh, history research for Doctor Who, but they do love the fact that the ice lord is never referred to on screen as the ice lord because in its popular myths it's a popular slar is an ice lord he's not called an ice lord on screen is lear is an I, I think they do it for every single one it's like we we've made this we know this fact and we're going to really emphasize it because we're really proud of the fact that we've discovered it now the ice warriors i think at this stage are steve peters i left you on a cliffhanger didn't i steve peters and tony harwood uh and steve peters uh is also in one of the ambassadors of death uh, and so you see him because he's also the actors who play the ambassadors also play the the missing astronauts when they get a scene in uh, uh, in the later episode five or six isn't it on when the, the doctor visits them on Mars, but Steve Peters we we could never find you try finding somebody called Steve Peters they're not exactly um, uh, Google wax are they uh, his real name was actually Peter Stevens and. Peter Stevens plays uh, Cyril in uh, The Celestial Toymaker and uh, Lolam in The Underwater Menace. So he's got the same name as another Doctor Who actor. Um, but anyway, he died in 1994. Did uh, Peter Darcy Stevens. Um, this is the best example of hiding in plain sight there's ever been. In, I mean, <laughs> bless him, he does his best there, Christopher Cole. He goes, well, if I just bend my head, it actually reminds me a bit of sometimes. My my partner is a is a is a wheelchair user, and sometimes when she needs to get out of a tram, for example, um, and people are standing in front of the tram doors, she sort of needs them to move out of the way so she can get out of the tram doors. And you see people just sort of do that and you're like your body is still blocking the door because just because you've moved your head back a bit it doesn't mean you've been any value whatsoever uh, and, uh but it's like they go well I'm, I'm sort of making an effort i'm showing that i've occasionally had to go can you just get out of the way <laughs> um but poor old christopher cole lovely christopher cole recently departed um uh uh does a great job that but i mean he's standing he's not even behind the cupboard especially when the ice warrior gets to the middle and does a 360 degree turn so that i i'm afraid is a is a is a pretty naff moment and I, I, one wonders why they didn't uh, you know pull the cabinet 
out and uh, and have him duck behind it or something like that instead of doing that yeah i'll just i'll just do that that will make me invisible um which s- suggests that the ice warriors um whatever whatever's on the uh, on on their glasses uh, it's it's frosted up on the moon um now one of this i like these two extras behind um as the technicians because one of them's sort of short oh no there's a few of them there's pat gorman right at the back early gorman uh, pat gorman the Where's Wally of Doctor Who, uh, a, a legendary uh, walk-on, extra, sometimes credited actor, uh, and of great value to British television uh, for over 30 years, and particularly to Doctor Who. But he's in everything, Pat Gorman. And one day I want to make a documentary about him because, uh, and I tried desperately to uh, to interview him, but uh, and, and, and when I... Uh, was was staying with a friend after my marriage had broken down i actually ended up as i think i might have said this so i'll be real i i ended up living literally 10 minutes away from him but never got never got a chance to interview him uh i got him to sign a couple of things for me through the post but he never he never responded to requests for interviews and i i after he died i spoke to his daughter uh and she just said she, she thought he was a bit shy and uh so the only interview we've got is on i was a doctor who monster which is a uh, a, a short showed before uh, the repeat of uh, Planet of the Daleks uh, in 1993. Uh, and I tried to find the rushes for that, see if we got the whole thing. And they'd pretty much got all of them except his, I think, uh, from the various people I asked. Um, but the, the, the two that go up to the moon, there's a short and fat one and there's a tall and thin one. The tall and thin one is Royston Farrell, who's... Uh, uh, and uh, who, who's a, who's an extra, but also he was a bit of a stuntman. He could do judo, um, and he's got the line "boom" or "bang" in uh, the Claws of Axos, which I think is his only credit in Doctor Who as technician. Uh, he's a technician in this, but he doesn't get a credit because he doesn't say doesn't even say "bang." Um, is this interesting? Oh, my God. Oh, Royston Farrell also gets killed in the arc. He gets killed. Well, maybe we, maybe I'll do a Royston Farrell omitter as well as the uh, the, the 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 Gorman ping uh, <laughs> as as we go through all of these episodes. Uh, it's a brilliant mask uh, and brilliant makeup, and I I, lo- I love this this photos of uh, of behind the scenes of this where where Alan Bennion is having his. Uh, makeup applied and he's still in a shirt and tie nowadays if you went in to have you know a big monster makeup applied you'd just have a t-shirt i mean i haven't even dressed up for this i'm ready for bed i thought i'd get a couple of episodes in before bed uh and uh but i I love the fact that in those days no you're gonna get makeup on you you still wear a, a nice shirt and tie which probably got absolutely knackered and covered in gunk but uh, no, no, you still wear a tie because the newspapers were there taking a photo. So maybe it was well, it was a photo shoot. So yeah, representing the BBC, you got to have a tie on. Uh, I I don't think the world is a better place because people don't wear ties uh, for professional acting jobs, uh, even rehearsals anymore. I I don't I don't think uh, that the, the the loss of them has improved uh, has improved our lives any. Um, this is all interesting stuff that you know because the the. the you know, if you actually, if you saw this on on the script, it's technical baffle gab. Um, no. Oh, that's right. Because I'm I'm trying to listen out for a voice because I know that 
Michael Wisher is a voice in uh, an uncredited voice. There's Pat Gorman. Nice high shot. Uh, uh, is an uncredited voice in this, uh, but I, I'm not sure I've pinpointed where. Um, it's that's going to be impossible to do when I'm talking at the same time. But yes, it's it's as well as the legendary Pat Gorman, the legendary and the not so legendary, but I like him anyway, Royston Farrell, uh, the legendary. Uh, Michael Wisher makes his Doctor Who debut uh, before getting seen on screen for Michael Ferguson again in The Ambassadors of Death. Um, that's a nice little model rocket and stuff. This is all good stuff. Um, I, I, I love seeing these. These three are a good gang, aren't they? Although they haven't actually done an awful lot. Um, I like the little chat they had where they decided to help out. Uh, and they look they just look brilliant together um when did zoe get changed oh i liked her old costume um but all of zoe's costumes are pretty good um uh so oh yes and alan bennion as slar he lived in brighton for many 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 years he wasn't too keen on being interviewed either i think he'd done one for doc two magazine and he did an interview for the first dvd of this uh but needed some persuading and thereafter wasn't wasn't that interested in doing anything else. We tried to get him for the Peladon ones. Um, uh, and about three people I know who live in Brighton and knew where and would see him around said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get you his autograph at some point. And none of them ever did. So um, there we go. All I, <laughs> I give people, I like to think I help people out. And, uh, and uh, I was on a promise with, Autograph de Benion, and I d didn't get it. Um, uh, so I never had the pleasure, sadly, which is a shame because and and his acting career outside of Doctor Who was okay, but relatively modest. Um, and yet in Doctor Who, he is the only Ice Lords. They're not actually called Ice Lords. Uh, <laughs> that's that does amuse me though. Well, you've got a fact, um, uh, and I'm t and I, 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 I love. Uh, I don't know uh, Stephen James Walker and Mark Stammers, but I like their work. Uh, but I do know David Howe, and he's a lovely, lovely fellow. But I'm just amused every time that pops up uh, as a. It's not actually nice, Lord, you know. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, Ferguson even makes that the sort of rocket takeoffy stuff that on the script you know is is yeah technical jargon uh actually quite interesting um it's the editing in this is quite choppy and funny though and i think that's maybe because uh you know it's it's not all as continuous as uh as uh as it as it might have been uh or or, or it usually was i might just be imagining that but it it does seem a slightly choppy choppier program than, than than some of the ones that have the more sort of continuous flow that we're used to um because he's mixing things up with model shots or uh and they're they're they're, they're sort of trying with the anti-grav thing aren't they they're doing as you know it's i mean it's a hard thing to ask actors to do and it never looks quite right because you can't quite fake it i don't know why um Oh, I love, I love this. I think there's a fault, he says. And doesn't it cut back and it's like there's loads of smoke? <laughs> That's a brilliantly Doctor Who thing. I sort of go, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's smoke. I, I, I love it when future technology is uh, 
a bit a, a bit clunky and knackered but that's a very doctor who thing and, a, and an antidote to the sort of slick futuristic nature of you know more expensive frankly shows or american shows or whatever um and if you like i don't want to be too lofty you know it uh you know what one of the reasons alien was such a breakthrough was because actually the spaceship was just a place that people worked and dressed in their normal clothes it wasn't a place where people wore silver and had spangly hats and everything was sort of glossy and and brilliant everything sort of greasy and breaks and all of that sort of thing and uh i i i i like it that in doctor who the technology sometimes has smoke pouring out of it or bits fall off it um because that's what you know that's what this this house that i'm in now we 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 had quite a big part of it um had a load of work on so you get a new kitchen and you get a new and, and for about 10 minutes you go oh yeah this you know i'm going to make sure this house is okay because there's, there's new plaster there's no cracks in anything oh this door you know and and within you know within a year you go well that door always sticks and oh that's got a chip on it and 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 that tap tap doesn't quite work properly and that nothing nothing ever nothing ever stays perfect uh <laughs> and uh, why wouldn't that be the case with a spaceship as well Yeah, you tell him, Gia Kelly. My mum was always quite amused by Gia Kelly because she she thought she was. She like, I shall have to go above your head. Uh, oh yeah, it's this bit. Yeah, I remember my mum finding that really really funny. Um, now my mum didn't necessarily sit and watch with me, but I would do a thing where I'd have Doctor Who in the video, uh, and then if people came into the room, I'd oh, I heard them coming. I'd press play. And, and I'd, you know, I'd, I don't know what I imagine they do, but they walk in and go, my God, Toby, you're right. Doctor Who's amazing. Um, and I remember my sister had a boyfriend and I I have a sort of, whatever it is, I'm not going to label it, whatever it is. Uh, I, I mean, just, I have a stupidity, let's call it that, where I, I say things out loud when I'm left to my own devices. And I remember we were on holiday and I was sort of chumped along and I, I sort of went, God, I did the end of episode one. I was sort of like, God, kill him. And, and my sister's boyfriend over me went, what, what are you doing? And I went, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing an episode ending to a doctor. And he went, and he was a bit of a hippie. He went, oh, that's cool, man. I like the fact that, I like the fact that it excites your imagination so much. Uh, and so then when we got back, when he said, can you show me that bit? And he, and I, and he, went, he went, yeah, yeah, that's, you did it, man. Yeah, that's what you did. <laughs> so I like the fact that, because I've got older brothers and sisters, they would have all mopped, you know, they'd have all found that ridiculous, because it is pretty ridiculous um but he came in it from a different angle it was just like no if that's your thing that's your thing go for it so um right uh Fusham's story does not hold water because he says osgood killed Locke, whereas Locke, the first thing Locke says is osgood is dead so she's not she's not mrs columbo uh miss kelly uh and nobody gives a monkeys about harvey uh, <laughs> which is uh so yeah the one the one on the higher level uh is is royston farrell he was yeah he could do karate um or martial arts anyway i don't know what i don't kung fu i don't know um uh and he's i did a who's round with him he wasn't really a member of havoc but he was a sort of stuntman extra look at that that's a great shot and you've got real depth to what's what's going on uh Oh, and the other Ice Warrior, along with Steve Peters, is Tony Harwood, who IMDb killed off 
2005. And then somebody contacted me. And Tony Harwood is in loads. He was one of the original Ice Warriors as well. Uh, he's also the Ice Warrior in episode 10 of the War Games. Uh, he's in the Ambassadors of Death, but in a speaking part. Uh, he's also Yeti. Uh, and, uh, and then somebody on Facebook got in touch and said, my uncle, my, my great uncle, was an actor in Doc 2. His, his name was Tony Hargreaves, but I think he worked under a different name. Blah, blah, blah. And we worked out it was Tony Harwood. And so then lots of really helpful people. And I went, oh, that's really interesting. Um, uh, and he said, I think he's still alive and blah, 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 blah. And so then lots of helpful people went on and said, uh, Toby, I think you'll find that he died in 2005. I go, that's because it says that on IMDb. Uh, and IMDb say that he's died because somebody called Tony Harwood did, Anthony Harwood did die in 2005. And that was enough for whoever updated uh imdb to go because tony and harwood are really uncommon names so it's likely to be him um which threw us all off the scent because there was a time when i believed everything imdb had to say and actually uh i've had cause to i, I thought I, this year i thought i'd renew my look for tony harwood and i went back to my messages with that guy and the last message i'd got for him was that tony harwood was alive and in in a certain part of the country in 2015 and I think something must have happened to me because I, I didn't really follow that up. And I know I messaged the guy a couple of times, never heard back from him. Um, but I thought, well, I should. I've got enough information. I've got the part of the country and I've got the fact that his name was Tony Hargreaves. So uh, with with a couple of other well, with R Richard Bignall's help, um, we did a we did a oh, let's 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 see if we, we can find him and. Richard found a picture, uh, and 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 went, I think this is the guy, and uh, and we emailed the business uh, that Tony Hargreaves had, uh, and he died in December last year, uh, and so he was always hiding in plain sight. We could have found him, and he did so so many Doctors in the sixties, and there's our you know is the you know one of the original Ice Warriors, one of the original Yeti, uh, uh. Now, it may have been that we got in touch with him and he wasn't interested in being interviewed. But when you th you sort of think, oh, the people we can't find, they're nowhere. Do you know what I mean? They must be long dead or they, they must not be interested. But actually, not everybody who is in Doctor Who knows that Doctor Who is out on DVD. And we tried Equity, we tried the BBC. So actually, he's probably got loads of unclaimed royalties. Um, I don't know if that was him or Steve Peters who just got uh, turned into a blob. But I love the... Uh, uh, I love the negative effect, the quick cutting. That's very Michael Ferguson, the quick cutting, the different angles. And that's a great piece of plot that uh, Phipps, who I love little Phipps's subplot, where he's hiding in plain sight and then melting ice warriors and being very sweet. I, he's got such a nice quality, uh, Christopher Cull. Uh, uh, and he melts the ice warrior and whatever he does because he's he's tripped the switch or he's, he's, he's unplugged something uh, means that they've lost the signal. Uh, and it means that the closing titles go at a hell of a lick. They they really need to slow that. Uh, that's like titles today, but at least they're a decent size. But they're flying past. Uh, perhaps it's because they're in space and they've got zero gravity and they go... Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah, Tony Harwood and Steve Peters. So, yeah, Tony Harwood, bless him. We, uh, we, we could have had some interesting anecdotes from him. Um, now, I have to, you know... I have to counter that by saying there are sadder reasons for somebody being dead. There are Somebody being dead is sad for many more reasons than the fact that I didn't get to interview them about Doctor Who. But I nonetheless, uh, yeah, 
I I I wish I'd been a bit I wish I'd picked up that thread uh and just done the little bit of extra investigating or maybe even just spoken to Richard because he's very good at um picking up leads that have gone a bit dry for me which is actually what he did because because when we came to do it this time around I told him what I knew and very quickly he came back with all of that and we got a message from yeah Tony's son saying he you know he died last year and then did a little bit of extra research and actually in December so not that long ago and you go ah um but again I'm sure that's not what his family were thinking when he passed away oh if, if only dad had put his remembrances of Doctor Who on record but there we go um that's that's my thing and that's my preoccupation so there we go um but interestingly um well no I'll, I'll save that uh, interestingly klaxon might not be interesting at all what does joe what do i like about episode two i like <laughs> oh what do i well i do like the melty melty ice warrior i mean i'm still adoring michael ferguson's direction which i think is is probably the thing's strongest suit really um i do like terry scully and, and fuchsia's little story uh i, I like i like the knackered rocket I I think I like little Phipps hiding in his room, melting ice warriors, uh, <laughs> because because I like Christopher Cole and uh, yeah I like I like Phipps's little story that he has and I get very upset later for reasons I will explain. Anyway, what's Jay going to choose? Um, there's uh, also my second favorite theme is in episode two. Um, is of course Miss Kelly. Um, you've got to love Miss Kelly. She's such a posh kind of genius. Um, she's really clever and brave, and she's like I suppose a sign that the the writers were introducing women who were sort of in charge of stuff and were clever and technical. Um, although she is the only woman on planet Earth. Um, so yeah, I love her in this episode, particularly when they're getting ready for the rocket launch, and like the numbers are on her face. I mean, I don't know what um, countdown apparatus this is that actually projects numbers onto your face. But uh, there you go. Uh, yeah, I go for Miss Kelly. Uh, I I think uh, I, I she her costume also looks like it's the sort of hide of a of a of a of an ice warrior in the same way that eldred's looks like it's been sort of taken from the same sort of ridged mold miss kelly looks like does look like a sort of fetish armadillo doesn't she she looks like a yeah she looks like an she looks she looks like something that's been uh, taken off a, a kinky armadillo gimp um but uh she's she rocks she's got brilliant hair and i i, I like the way she tells radner off and her pinched englishness that so amused my mother um yeah okay uh, well it's two nil to jay so i think uh, uh i'm probably going to lose this one as i do pretty much every single one but i'm having a good time i'm i'm surprised i'm sort of surprised how little the tardis crew are, have sort of impacted this the story so far they're great and i love them and they look brilliant together but uh 
it's it's interesting how the the, the bulk of the action is is uh, is 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 sort of you know Fushim trying to save his own skin on the moon and uh, uh, Radna, uh, Miss Kelly and Eldred arguing on Earth. <laughs> I love the fact that Radna and Eldred spend most of it going rockets, T-Mat, rockets, T-Mat. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I'm enjoying the seeds of death. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, it's time to T-Mat myself into your homes or into your ears as we watch episode three of this particular adventure, The Seeds of Death. So I want you to press play in three, two, one. Let's see how we go. Now, I remember when this was... Uh, don't know what the sound was doing there. Never mind. Um, I remember when I watched this and I worked out, I'd broken it into episodes because of the handy Doctor Who magazine guide, but also because you could sort of tell because, as I say, they'd, they'd, they'd grabbed whatever was on the shelf. So uh, it, it, uh, it, it, you know, the quality suddenly jumped from, you know, crystal clear to, has somebody put gravy on the film? Um, I can't remember what episode three was like. I think it was okay. Um, uh, but this was my favourite, and I already think I know what my favourite bit of this episode is going to be. And it's interesting because it, it doesn't have much to do with the plot. Let's see. Anyway, let's see how we go. So um, the, the TARDIS crew aren't using the TARDIS, and they're also um, not actually on the moon yet. Uh, they're not actually really in, in the thick of the adventure. Um, but that's okay because the rocket journey is quite important because it it underlines the theme of you know much with the ice warriors um, uh, uh, about, you know which which talked about you know putting putting your faith in technology this is this is about putting your faith in one particular sort of technology and seeing as we pretty much now do everything online uh, I'm sort of reminded of that brilliant E.M. Forster uh short story well not short story novelette um the machine stops which is basically would now be called the internet breaks um because it is all about what happens when a society have become totally reliant on a piece of technology decadently so um you know losing losing sight of their humanity and, and uh, but but being very efficient you know they're taught and they contact their friends and they do everything through the machine you know and then you have that great question well what happens when the machine stops uh, and it's brilliant so if you've never if you've never done it it's an excellent uh, novelette and uh, the it's probably the best out of the unknown episode directed by the mighty philip saville uh, it doesn't have any of these people in it gosh this is so beautifully restored that you can sort of see the sweat on christopher cole's face here in this uh, in my favorite subplot of episode two uh, phipps um slightly ducking behind a cupboard uh, in order to outwit uh, the ice warriors. What will he do this week? Put a cardboard box on his head. Uh, <laughs> put his hands in front of his face. Um, Eric Kent is the name of the uh, of the of the squatter of the two technician extras. Uh, 
don't know anything about him, but uh, Royston Farrell, who's the other one I, I talked about last time. I, as as I, I, I was thinking about Miss Kelly's costume, it is it is a bit like an ice warrior. I think I, I mentioned this, but it's 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 like she's a sort of fetish Ankylosaurus, or she's she's come she's she's come to a a sex party as an ice warrior do you know what i mean because she's got the same sort of silhouette uh oh dear so the the little fat was died in, and royster farrell very slowly there going for his uh his iron bar and then shot quite horribly at close range uh and i do like the mirror effect that they keep for the ice warriors for the whole of their run and they keep alan bedian for the whole of their run and it, uh, oddly we, th- we sort of think of sonny caldenez as the main uh ice warrior but he's the last one to join the cast here i think he joins the cast if not this week next i think it's next week actually but uh, steve peters and tony harwood are your go-to ice warriors. sonny caldenez is is killed first in the ice warriors as well but when it comes to curse of peladon and monster of peladon he's the guy who gets the call I think he's very much the junior ice warrior at the moment. Uh, Pat Gorman, you could see in the background there, uh, the mighty Pat. Um, ah, here's another mighty Pat. He's, he sometimes looks quite tired, doesn't he? But uh, but it just adds to the sort of uh, gravitas that he has. You get that. That's a face that's you know seen worlds burn and danced a jig at the dawn on some. Yeah, the birth of some planet. He's uh, he's such a convincing and yet otherworldly uh, figure. They're a great crew, actually. These three. Uh, there's a there's a really nice rapport that they have. And Zoe could be really annoying, and I don't. I don't think she is because she's sort of tempered by Troughton and 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 by Jamie. That it's a good it's a good dynamic. Um, So have you, I don't know if you've noticed, everybody, that in the Seeds of Death, if you've been paying attention, um, uh, there, there haven't actually been any seeds yet. Um, so um, you'd, you'd be, you know, I know there are some stories that are called something of the Daleks or whatever, where the Dalek isn't in it for the first 25 minutes and shock horror, it's it's the Dalek at the end of the first 25 minutes. But you have to wait, you have to wait an hour for there to be... Uh, to, to sow the smallest the, the, even the smallest of the seeds um and they're not even seeds they're balloons uh but they're yeah they're balloons of blight not seeds of death uh, they're they're that <laughs> they're, they're balloons of foam uh do you mean fire no i mean foam um uh yeah the model work is uh is is quite fun i don't, never really thought about the model work before but uh, you actually do get quite a lot of the rocket uh in this which almost because spacefaring was obviously uh you know very much in the headlines with uh going to the moon neil armstrong and michael collins and buzz aldrin uh, heading heading off for the moon um that this is you know this is very of the moment and i think that's a terrific wheeze actually the idea that what you know space travel by rocket that is is part of the brave new world of the back end of the 60s is in this doctor who story um something that's just um you know uh, so taken for granted that actually it's a rather sad pastime of a forgotten old man and that's a it's a great leveler that's a great shot that that model of the rocket going going down into the moon that's the perspective uh, is is beautiful this idea but i think that's a brilliant wheeze actually the the uh 
the yeah you're brave doctor who is doctor who sort of brings us down to earth we think you know we're really modern of course you do every everybody living in whatever today is because well we're at the very height of technology and what's possible aren't we amazing and doctor who's going yeah yeah uh in 200 years time they'll think that's as quaint as we think black and white telly and you know three pin plugs on the moon are or whatever but but you know um and we've no idea uh you know what what we think that we do that is amazing that people in 200 years time will look at and go they do that then idiots um well i you know just little things i mean god i remember when you could smoke on a smoke on the underground i didn't um but i remember that fire because there was a school school trip on the way there and it was that fire it took a fire to make people go you know when people are underground uh, and can and and it takes us quite a long time to get above ground should we not have sort of things made think combustible things there that produce smoke should we should we not allow those um and on, and on trains and planes and everything well acted on the rocket tardis crew uh, and at least you're getting a g good slice of the action which isn't always the case in this season um uh in that it, in that it's largely been uh, uh the Doctor Jamie and Zoe in this this episode so far, and and it's Terence Dix now has sort of taken over the writing. He's he's not credited on screen as the writer, but he is on the on the production material um, at the BBC. That it's not really the Seeds of Death by Brian Hales. It's the Seeds of Death by Brian Hales and Terence Dix, but he was script editor and and Terence always said that Brian Hales was quite easy going and you just go, we're going to rewrite this, Brian. He's like, yeah, that's fine, you know. I'm, I've 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 done my bit. I've got paid because uh, there were two ice lords. You know they're not actually ice lords, Toby. Yes, I do. Uh, there are two ice lords. I think in the original uh, in the original breakdown. Um. Uh, and and yeah, Ke Miss the Kelly character I think is originally a male and then does different bits of bobs. Anyway, yeah, the, the the breakdown is very very different and it goes through various iterations. Um, and and finally, Terence Dix, I think, just goes. I'll just I'll just write this. Um, and and Hales had had a similar sort of total rewrite happen to. I wish we could find the original versions of the Celestial Toymaker with the characters of George and Margaret, uh, just to see how it would work because it sounds weird. I mean, it is weird. It's not. Yeah, let's not talk about the Celestial Toymaker. Here's Terry Scully being fantastic. I have to say, and because. Uh, I've got six episodes to get through, and I, I've got. A, I I thought last week. I I I thought that Terry ter, ter Scully Fusum has a very bony ass, and I don't know if there's a bonier ass in the whole of Doctor Who. Now I don't know if that's a thing that we we uh, ever need to write anything about, but uh, he's he's got a bony ass. So there we are, um, bony ass Fusum uh, and his moon heroism uh but he's a great character and he does he does uh terry scully is is in this there's some there's some filming of them making an episode of uh zed cars uh at the bbc um you know it's a peek behind how we make television and and terry scully's in that uh so so we see him doing a bit of sort of acting a bit of a behind the scenes uh, and i remember when this was released on DVD, the production subtitle sort of said, sadly, Terry Scully died, right about, because I think he died relatively recently, or they found out he died when they were preparing uh, the, the DVD. So now, of course, the, the idea that you'd have to put sadly before 
uh, uh, any cast because it is sad but obviously you can't you, you have to you have to be a bit more removed from it now because well in fact gosh i remember a time when pretty much everyone from this bar philip ray and hugh morton were, were were still with us and now i think yeah martin court is lock in episode one is the only guest cast survivor gosh that's sobering and yet the, there would have been a time where you could have got you could have got a dvd commentary say with practically everybody had they been willing um or available i mean uh louise payer was in australia and alan bennion and christopher cole both uh both seem quite reluctant to do interviews and stuff um but yeah i i so it's it's I feel a bit for Terry Scully because he's in the Dawn of the Gods episode of Blake Seven and his hair's gone completely white and uh, he's sort of unrecognisable. Um, and as I mentioned before, he sort of did uh, he did go through a, a bit of a hard time, but he has that great nervous energy as a performer. This is a nice little plot twist uh, because Zoe's gone to check the thing and the rocket is is knackered, so uh, suddenly you you do need the the new technology. Um, but I like I like it when a Doctor Who story takes a you know takes a, a piece of technology and builds a story around that. I think that's a that's a great idea for a, a, a science fiction show. Um, uh, and and I think do I recall the the sets here, by by the way I think are, are very good because they're obviously raised, um, which gives them a which which. which which gives them a quality of of having a life outside the bits of the set that we see. Um, uh, now this this was the this was my favourite bit to watch. I think when uh, when I had the uh, when I had the when I first got the the, the VHS. Although I, I think the Ice Warrior who takes ages to shoot and then is is easily sort of run rings round is uh, uh, it's not their finest. Uh, it's not the finest use of them, but why is there a hall of mirrors in the moon base? I like that idea. Is there? Is he going to stumble across a fortune teller at some some point? Uh, is there? A, is there a helter skelter? Is that why it's a raised uh, area? But this is this is where there's there's no plot here. But what what it does do is it it goes. But Patrick Troughton is brilliant at running, and then the relaxed face, and then the terrified face, and there's a couple of, and the raising of that. I love it all and and yet if i saw an actor that wasn't good doing that i would be annoyed with them and find them going too far and pratting about but troughton is always somehow real uh and no more so than here uh when uh he's faced with mortal danger he does this brilliant thing and that's a terrific shot as well of of little Troughton flanked by the arms, the armed arms of the uh, of the space crocodiles, uh, and he's desperately sort of going, "What what can I say? What can I say?" I'm a genius, and he and and he got no idea if it's going to work, and then is massively surprised when it does, uh, and that's brilliant shot because you keep his face all of the time. Well done, Michael Ferguson. Well done, Patrick Troughton. That's absolutely marvellous. As I say, there are actors that would do that sort of comical arms aloft scampering about that would irritate me and I'd want to kick them in the shins. But Troughton never... I, 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 I don't think there's ever any 
ever any bad acting from Troughton. He's he's just too good. Um, what the Ice Warriors? I don't know what they've been eating, but the way you could tell they're coming is that they have terribly rumbly tummies. It's a great design, though, isn't it? I like the the fact that they've got hair because um, you're not quite sure. Because is that carapace? Is that armor? But it's hairy armor. Who wears hairy armor? I suppose did Vikings have hairy armor? But so are they nude? But no, because they've got the helmet and the mouth is underneath the helmet, um, which was a lovely mystery until um, they came back in the modern era. And the first thing they decided to do was go, well, you know how you don't quite know what lies beneath. Should we show that? Uh, and you know how they're whispery monsters. Should we get the actor that does them brilliantly for Big Finish and, and does the whispery thing? Because that's a really interesting thing because their their atmosphere where they're from is different. You know, there's a logic there to the fact that, that they would sound, they would find it difficult to breathe and therefore have a whispery diction. And then that gives them, you know, their, their, their sort of unique, uh, their USP. Um, so should sh- we should we have them uh, whisper? No, no, no. Let's just have them sound like all of the other monsters. Why? Why have you brought them back uh, to show their face? What, did anyone want you to do? What? It just strikes me as faintly bizarre. I don't understand the modern world, um, and I liked that episode. Um, I just thought it seemed really odd to take a monster that has two things that are really interesting about it and um, destroy the interest. Um, but I do think Martin Bohr's design uh, of the Warriors is fantastic. Although they had a real, they had real trouble getting out there, and they've only just gone round the corner, and uh, they nearly took the doors with them. Um, but I, th- I like Paul Allen's sets as well. He also designed um, Horror Fang Rock, which I think also had some rays. Well, it's got the, that staircase, hasn't it? So he's good at getting things up. Troughton's Troughton's face in this is 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 brilliant. Um, He's he's got that sort of tired obtuseness, uh, and you can tell he's sort of working out. His brain is whizzing around at a million miles an hour while he's sizing up the enemy, who is the very composed uh, Alan Bedian, uh with that brilliant chin make makeup. Oh, and we've got two more Ice Warriors. Having seen two go out, it's the same two, of course. Uh, I always, I always wondered why they didn't make them have mobile mouths to go to the trouble of having that that mouth fitting underneath and the, and the mouths do move but they're but all their lines are post dubbed so nobody really bothers moving their mouths properly and it, it seems an odd thing to have gone to the effort to give them movable latex mouths but they want to do the dubbing afterwards I I I suppose to get the hissy thing because because the that the, the lines are done in if they're not done in post they're they're played in they're not said they're not said when the actor says them um and yeah fuchsia oh so i i remember watching this with my uh, my brothers and sisters uh no my brothers and sister and uh uh, and I remember, you know, there were certain things I knew would get guffawed at because people laugh at old things. Um, uh, but but I, I I remember there's there's a, there's a scene coming up, isn't there, where the where the ice warrior comes in, uh, and uh, Phipps sort of points to a three pin plug plug on the floor, 
and they, they plug it in. My brothers and sister absolutely guffawed at that. And I was like, well, why is that funny? But to them, the idea that you'd have a plug in the future on the moon was somehow quaint and silly. It's, 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 it's weird. I, I, I mean, I, that wouldn't have occurred to me at all. Um, willing suspension of disbelief, isn't it? But it's, it's, it's quite odd, the things that the not we, uh, to coin, to, to coin a phrase, um, uh, pick up on to mock that the, the likes of us just happily see through the likes of me anyway i know there are doctor who fans who like doctor who because they find it quaint and silly and uh, and and laugh at things like that and that's absolutely fine as well um and there are some people who probably go to parties dressed as miss kelly <laughs> the uh the 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 t-mac gimp um Oh, so right. So Patrick Troughton is going on holiday next week, and so he needs to be knocked unconscious, uh, in order to be. Uh, it's not Chris Jeffries, I don't think next week. I think it's Tommy Laird. Why have we never interviewed the people who play Doctor Who, that, uh, that that weren't Doctor Who? I tried to find Brian Proudfoot, who's who's the one who. Uh, walks through the poplars in the reign of terror who's the first person that isn't william hartnell to play doctor who uh but i think he died in south africa many years ago, a few years ago he was south african um but there's tommy laird there's chris jeffries who do troughton chris jeffries you see his face in the dominators so that's the first time we've seen a seed uh so it's the first time this pod uh cast sees a seed pod so there we go. Troughton's had a, a fall down and fallen face down in order that next week we can't tell that it's not him. Um, oh dear. Poor old uh, poor old Fusham has a lot on his conscience. That's, that's a nice zoom there. It's actually quite... A, yeah, the camera flies about. Good old Michael Ferguson keeping it keeping it busy well, they're quite i hadn't realized i'd forgotten quite how ungainly the ice warriors are shame i don't care they're they're, they're a cracking design uh james james then gonna bend a big big iron bar well why don't they all just hide behind a cupboard uh the ice yeah well done the ice warrior for seeing zoe in the doorway when he didn't see phipps when he was staring straight at him this is the bit where the plug comes I think this is really exciting. Oh, look, it's a multi-plug. Ha, ha, ha. They were... I really hope viewers in the future, I'll be long dead by the time this, whenever this year uh, comes into being, watch and go, do you know what? Doctor Who is so good because uh, I'm watching this on the moon base and uh, it, correctly, uh, it correctly predicted that on the moon base we would still be using three-pin plugs because, as anybody knows, we went through the... Uh, the wireless uh, period of the early 21st century and it was found to melt people's brains uh, and uh, 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 kill beavers uh, so uh, we had to go back to the three pin plug thing I I predict that that is what people will be saying on the moon when they're watching the seeds of death uh, uh, and they're a nifty uh, they're a nifty effect I know they're just a balloon but uh, uh I I think it's uh, it, it's rather a fun sort of threat and poor old Fusion. So now he thinks he's responsible for the death of Doctor Who, uh, and uh, I mean it's odd that the Ice Warriors don't sort of go 
um, could te- tell us how to do this because it's clearly just pressing a few buttons. But they go, no, we need we need him. Um, and here we are. Is this the first time we've seen? Gosh, it's a quiet week for for Radner and uh, Eldred. Uh, yeah, Eldred, who's got the uh, the Ice Warrior tank top on. I do. Uh, it's Bobby Bartlett, by the way, who designed the Ice Lord. It's not an Ice Lord costume. Oh, I love you. A few of still got a watch on as well. They still have watches and three-pin plugs on the moon. Although watches have started to come back in now because uh, Apple now do watches. Um, but uh, I haven't worn a watch for many, many years. That was a bit partridge, wasn't it? Oh, uh, you know, I haven't worn a watch for many years. That's an interesting observation. It's really not. I'm very sorry for driving you down partridge alley there and uh, <laughs> ending up in, uh, t- I don't know, uh, uh, Richard Maidley cul-de-sac. Uh, yeah, Apple make watches now, but I haven't worn one for a while. Uh, crazy world. Um, so th- I think this is a great episode ending. Uh, which you didn't actually get in the uh, in the video version. We didn't get this big bit where the thing uh, fills the screen, which I think is rather lovely. In the in the VHS version, he touches it, it goes, it's alive, and then it really changes into really bad quality, uh, where the episode looks like it's made of porridge, uh, and uh, it blows up and and kills. Uh, spoilers, kills poor old Brent, who uh, who survives for about uh, yeah two seconds into the next episode um so much like martin court rick felgate uh, will be back next week to be dead um nice work if you can get it so uh i will press pause before the next episode kicks in uh well my favorite thing is the chase in that episode is the chase through uh, although it's ridiculous once again, why has a moon base got a hall of mirrors? Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I assume we missed the scenes where he was hiding behind the coconut shy. Because if there'd been a coconut shy, he'd have just been able to stick his head behind the coconut. They wouldn't have seen him. Um, uh, but it's the chase that culminates with that brilliant line, you can't kill me, I'm a genius. Which well, which is a, a good line and it's fun. It It ascends to another level because of the way it is shot by Michael Ferguson uh, so so cleverly, but also, uh, but it's shot cleverly because it makes sure it favours our brilliant leading man whose face is always near, nearly ex- obscured, but just stays there. So we follow that performance right through of the desperation, the inventiveness, that, that final gambit, uh, and uh, then the complete sort of shock that it's actually worked which all flicks across Patrick Troughton's brilliant, brilliant face. So that is uh, that is my favourite bit. Um, so episode three, my favourite thing is that brilliant chase with Patrick Troughton running around doing all that kind of Patrick Troughton jumping stuff and um, looking horrified, um, kind of running around with the mirrors behind him. Um, it's just so clever. They've made this kind of whole world out of the moon base. I um, absolutely love it. And then, obviously, at the end of that sequence, when they do catch up with him, 
and there's the two ice warriors framed there and he that's so iconic when he sort of says that stuff about um no one to kill me your leader will want to speak to me i'm a genius um it's so brilliant i absolutely love that whole sequence of that chase um so yes so hang on three episodes in uh i'm only two one down uh so there's a chance to claw this back and even go for victory <laughs> which has yet to happen but the chase i am glad that jay and i are in accord which i think uh, kind of makes us both geniuses which means you can't kill us well welcome everybody it's episode four of the seeds of death uh the sound from the episode isn't going to cut in immediately because I've had to mute it because uh, where I am on episode selection on the DVD, it keeps playing the trailer for the episode. Oh, which promises the Doctor going to the moon base, uh, the, the seeds themselves, which when that trailer was done, were weeks away. Uh, finally, we're getting some seed action in episode four, although the Doctor, as we'll discover, is not on the moon base, although that is not how it appears. All will be explained. Jay Butlermore will choose uh, one favourite thing at the end of this episode. Let's see if I can identify what that is. But I am going to press select slash play slash enter in three, two, one. And I've pressed it and now the sound's got to go up a bit. There we go. Um, so here we are. Yes. Well, this episode, when it was available on VHS as part of this edited compilation, it had gone from the very good quality of, relatively, of episode three to a really sort of white. It was, it was, it was like somebody was shining a bright torch through the picture. A very washed out looking thing. Um, so, because, of course, this was from a time when I got this VHS, uh, Younger viewers, listeners may be shocked to hear. It was one of one, two, three, four, five complete Patrick Troughton stories. We had no complete stories uh, from season four, as actually we still don't, uh, and no complete stories from season five. In fact, for season five, I think there were, about, there were four episodes, or there certainly were four episodes when I was first watching Doctor Who. So we never had this bit on the video because we'd still got the bit from last week. So that extra line, that thing it's alive, we didn't have from, from Brett. So that's uh, that's it. Brent is... is That's it for Rick Felgate, uh, although he will return in The Ambassadors of Death, also directed by his brother-in-law, the mighty Michael Ferguson. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm not going to accuse it of uh, nepotism, because... Uh, Actually, Rick Felgate's very good actor, very solid and dependable, and uh, and uh, now, unfortunately, uh, uh, as far as the seeds of death is concerned, uh, solid, dependable, and dead. Although he's moving a little bit there. Oh, he is moving a little bit. Uh, or is that? Yeah, no, he's he's breathing a bit. He's he's a he's a breathing corpse. Uh, it's always a risk when you're uh, 
when you when when you've got a when you've got a camera on a, a dead body for quite a long time um there's a there's a there's a sherlock holmes that patrick troughton's in i i had the pleasure of doing uh the dvd commentaries for the bfi sherlock holmes collection and patrick troughton's in one of the episodes and they decide to have a have the camera on him dead with his eyes open for quite a long scene and uh i don't think he quite he quite pulls it off for the whole thing um and it's a risk you go well do we do we do it for the shot and for the effect but also run the risk that there might be a couple of moments where you know the actor blinks or moves or whatever there's an avengers that i watched where there's a a, a dead body that that really moves just before or just after an advert break one of the early ones um uh so um yeah this was a this was a a, a very white very bad quality episode so it's nice to see it all polished up um uh and uh obviously the plot is now kicking in they've got the seeds and the uh you know the futuristic uh, uh sort of symbol of the story the the, the travel mat the tea mat which is as somebody that travels a lot for my job i, I would absolutely love to to disappear in one place and be reconstituted in the next almost immediately. Um, doom, doom, doom. It's, it's sort of silent movie caper stuff, the the, the piano. Uh, 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 that's the effect that that, that has. Um, nice to see the screwdrivers still exist in the future. Again, that's the sort of thing that people might mock these days, but, you know, they had... They had computers in. Uh, they had screwdrivers in the sixties, and they still have them now. Even though we now have technology, they wouldn't have dreamed of in the sixties. So there's no reason why we won't still be using screwdrivers on the moon. I suppose they'd have electric ones on the moon. Uh, the Moon Project has a very tight budget, uh, and they can't afford electric screwdrivers. Um, uh, so, uh, oh yes, it's Phipps and Jamie. Poor old Phipps spends a lot of time. Uh, in the vent it must have been hard on his knees although these are very big ventilation tunnels aren't they yeah let's uh build ventilation tunnels that are big enough to take to take a man standing up uh but then not have a hatch that a man can actually get through because they have to go back for zoe don't they that's a lovely shot through the uh through the grill uh which goes right through and can see the seed and then has the effect of the seed disappearing that's a that's a shot of great skill um but yeah they are massive ventilation I, I seem to recall the discontinuity guide didn't it say that these these uh t these ventilation tunnels could fit jeff capes which i thought was a lovely phraseology for viewers not from uh the same time and uh place as i jeff capes was uh was a, a competitor and world's strongest man. He was a giant, he was a sort of fellow that pulled trucks. That was a sort of entertainment we used to. Oh, I used to love the world's strongest man. Uh, uh, perfect entertainment. I don't know why they don't do that anymore. Uh, people who obviously eat a lot of sausages, pulling lorries and 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 grappling great big concrete spheres. Um, but uh, um, yeah, it, it, it and it, it it is a true observation. Um, now they they spend a lot of time don't they working out uh why uh 
why they've gone to where they go, isn't it? Do they all go to cold places because it's too cold for it to rain? Is that right? They di died of oxygen starvation. So, and again, that's just a nice little bit of mystery to go, oh, there's obviously something uh, 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 up with these uh, things that kill in a way that things don't normally kill. Science of it doesn't really matter, does it? It's, uh, but, but also... Because I, I've, I've, yeah, I, I didn't. I've got a feeling that um, Eldred had said, didn't he? he? Said, turn on the air conditioning or whatever. And then they, then not long after, he goes, air that is now been sent out to London. And it was like, well, it was, that was your idea, mate. You know, <laughs> he, he sort of said, yeah, get, get, get rid of the smoke. And then at the end of the scene, it's quite an accusatory way in which he says, yes, we've sent that smoke into the air of London. Yeah, yeah. Under your instructions, Professor Rocket Man. Um, there we go. Oh, poor old Fushum. He's looking increasingly wretched, isn't he? Uh, I was slightly worried approaching this episode because uh, six, six parters. What will I find to say? But um, this was the only existing Troughton six parter. Of course, we now have Enemy of the World, most of the Web of Fear. Um, Ah, and there's the Doctor unconscious on the floor, and it is not Patrick Troughton. It wasn't so apparent in the uh, sort of edited together version, although I've already alluded to the changes in quality, but it just seemed like the Doctor was unconscious for a bit. Um, not that he was having a whole week off. I love Slar's um, face makeup and, and, and costume. Uh, really good. Um, but... Uh, yeah, to is it Tommy Laird? I think it is, uh, or is it is it Chris Jeffries? It's 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 one of the uh, it's one of the non Patrick Troughton. Well, of course not Patrick Troughton, but uh, Chris Jeffries I know doubles for him in uh, the Dominators. I think it'd be worth finding these guys. I, I've never uh, uh, never managed to find either of them, uh, but it would. Uh, it would be fun to talk to somebody who played the doctor for a bit. Perhaps that's an idea for a document. That's an idea for a documentary. You heard it here first. Who are these, you know, who are these other doctors finding out about Brian Proudfoot and Edmund Warwick and right. I'm off to pitch that uh, after this. <laughs> uh, well, there have been stranger places for, for uh, uh, documentaries to be, to be pitched. But looking, looking for the doctor, uh, and and finding out, I would hope one of them might be still alive. Um, Brian Proudfoot, who doubled for Hartnell in uh, in the Reign of Terror, I've just and is Tigellinus, the amusing cupbearer in the Romans. I've discovered has uh, is dead, sadly. Um, uh, as are Edmund Warwick, uh, uh, who who doubled for Hartnell as well in, in Dalek Invasion of Earth. Um, and I'm assuming Albert Ward who did his hands. I don't know because he's called Albert, so I think he must be really old. But that's not that's not that's not very good research. Um, uh, but Chris Jeffries and Tommy Laird, who doubled for Trout, and I know nothing about. Um, Have I got my. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't. I was, I was going. Shall I confirm who it is? Because um, if I don't. I'll I'll have to record something at the end of this so that I'm correct, um, and that involves another job. Uh, 
this is great because I love I love Terry Scully's performance here. Bless him, he's he's great. It's a real, yeah, it's that 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 kind of suppressed terror and and the tiredness, and uh, I I have to say it was a pretty nifty maneuver um, for Phipps and Jamie to open the back of the tea mat cupboard, uh, spirit the Doctor away, and shut the thing again, um, without realizing the Doctor isn't actually Patrick Troughton, uh, with the Ice Warriors and Fusion there. But uh, it just about works because you, you sort of don't see it. Um, and so, yeah, one of the ice warriors is is, is going to go to Earth. Yes. Uh, for some film work. Uh, we haven't had an awful lot of film work. We certainly haven't had much exterior stuff. Um, and it is good that these uh, tunnels can take Jeff Capes because they're now taking... Jamie and the Doctor and Phipps. Uh, and Jamie's dragging the Doctor. That's it. The Doctor's going to get very bruised being dragged through those uh, those tunnels, which have those rivets in that sticking out that look really painful if you caught your side on one of them. Um, are we going to are we going to go outside now to some of the? Oh no! It's just a long sequence of Pearl Christopher Cole uh, having to go through this very large tunnel system uh which has obviously been designed with the uh, alien invasion subterfuge in in mind yeah ju look at those ju i mean we've got we've got a bit bit of uh we've got a bit of ventilation going on in this house but i, I wouldn't want to get in there uh, and you'd hope for a few cobwebs and things as well oh he tries at my this is the bit that my brother i learned something i've i i here's an educational thing because uh, I love that eating control as well. <laughs> because it's giant uh, and it says hot ankle. My brother told me a thing. If you can get your head and your sho one shoulder through, uh, you can actually get through. So despite Christopher Cole's valiant attempts there to show that he can't get through that, uh, that is not true. He would be able to get through that because he can get a head and one shoulder through. Uh, that is apparently a fact, because I suppose your shoulder is the width of 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 your arm. Uh, so there we go. So well done, Christopher Cole, for trying to sell that, but it was uh, it, it it was not scientifically accurate, uh, which is so unusual for Doctor Who. Um, I like I like the door that Radner keeps coming through because it gives that set some nice depth. Um, And is this where the, oh, is this where the ice warrior arrives? I've, yes, of course. He comes in. He, I love them. Smash through the door. Go on. Uh, but but then he does this thing where he just sort of looks looks at people threateningly a bit. Just sort of get yeah, go on, run up, run away. Uh, and I, I'm not quite sure what he's doing. Is he looking around? Um, uh, is is he going? Look at me! Uh, I mean, Rad Radner and Radner and uh, Eldred have just stood there for the whole thing. Um, I, I I like the guns and the guards, and uh, and and I like the mirror the mirror death, of course, which becomes their trademark. Uh, but fortunately, because they uh, they are far too expensive to kill, uh, <laughs> uh, Ronald Lee Hunt and Philip Ray uh, survive, even though they just stood there. Um, that's it, Radner. Yeah, a little bit, 
little bit too late there, Rad, and it sort of picked up the gun and followed a bit. It's a bit like sort of joining in, and they go, oh, 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 oh I, I would have had a go, but it was, it was too late. Yeah, the fat lot of good you were, Julian. Um, is there anyone else in the history of Doctor Who called Julian? I once had a girlfriend whose dad was name was Julian. He was very patronising towards me, and I bear the scars still. Uh, so no offence to any Julians out there, but uh, are there any? I think Radner might be the only Julian in the entire history of Doctor Who. Don't write in. I'm very tired. Uh, but yeah, I th not too tired to come up with a good idea for a for a documentary. Oh, he's getting a bit, and Miss Miss Kelly's dabbing him a bit. Uh, you can, yeah, he's got a slightly different that that wig is is actually looking at it. It's not massively Troutonesque, is it? Uh, I've not noticed that before. Uh, but it's doing the job. Uh, so Phipps is going to take Zoe, and now we go into location. I uh, so now, of course, the foam machine. Um, had been used in Fury from the Deep, so I I, I do with the and uh, there's foam in the Web of Fear as well. Is it's sort of like they went, we've got a foam machine, uh, and foam comes out of the Cybermen in Tomb of the Cybermen. Uh, it's a bit like it's a bit like the Master in season eight. It's like where when's the foam gonna turn up? So I wonder because I love Fury from the Deep, uh, 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 and oh, that's a very A A England uh, film camera shot. The the creature silhouetted. Uh, against the sun uh, I do hope it's A.A. Englander who was the uh, he was the film cameraman on Quatermass and the Pit uh, the middle A stood for one of the A's for Adolf you know um, uh, Tubby Englander as he was known an excellent film cameraman uh, one of the greatest uh, and uh, also did Ambassador's Death and Claws of Axos so um so yeah, he was a he was a he was a favourite of Michael Ferguson, uh, and this location stuff. There was a there was a famous story, wasn't there, uh, of uh, of whichever Ice Warriors this is. I think is it Tony Harwood. Um, oh, that was a funny cut quickly to a to the silhouette after the guard died. That was a that was a very odd cut. Um, uh, uh, of of I think a a, a sleeping. Uh, vagrant uh, who'd had a few the night before woke up to see the ice warrior and ran for the hills was it that or was it that a lady crashed her car when she saw the ice warrior is one of those it was one of those early somebody saw a monster on location and uh, 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 and the hilarious consequences um, uh, but that uh, yeah that anecdote came from that anecdote one of those two anecdotes I gave you uh came from uh, came from that filming session just gonna double check uh, uh, do 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 because I have my piece of paper here um, it's nice uh, we uh, it's poor old Phipps the uh, uh, it's nice that he has that moment uh, and uh, it's nice for Zoe you know that's a nice we, we uh, often uh, lazy people writing about the series talk about how useless the female companions were Zoe is really really capable and she's the alpha in that situation it's Phipps that's scared in the pipe and it's Zoe 
that is logical and and sort of talks him out of it. Uh, this is Derek Slater as the guard. He doesn't get credited on the BBC video, which I think is sad for him. Uh, he acted in a fair few things, but he also wrote the film The Ups and Downs of a Handyman, which is one of those films. Uh, in the 70s, there were um, uh, various... I always notice the way that his hat falls off and rolls down. Um, uh, so, yes, he only had a brief moment uh, in Doctor Who there, Derek Slater, but uh, and he only wrote one full-length film, The Ups and Downs of a Handyman, which is a uh, one of those sorty saucy 70s uh sex comedies uh as as they were called although um they, they probably had more yeah you know, they were sort of soft you know soft like confessions of a window cleaner so the word comedy is very very loose um not, and not that i've studied them in great depth i'll uh, you understand but uh that the, the, they, they did used to get shown on channel five and uh, are useful for all sorts of doctor who people pop up in some of these uh, things uh, um, Damaris Heyman's even I've just written her obituary she was in one of the Confessions movies um, not doing anything saucy she plays a short-sighted lady on a golf course um, so so why I never quite understood this as a kid they're not in warm areas because you don't get because you get rain in warm areas, whereas I'd always associated rain with the cold. But I'm assuming it's because if it's really, really cold, it's too cold to rain. But it did, it did confuse younger non-scientific me. I'm, sh I'm sure it makes sense. It's just it's not. Uh, it, it, it didn't automatically lead me to think, oh well, that's going to be the rain. Um, but maybe that's a good thing because uh, because you don't want me to guess. You don't want well me or or anybody to guess. Uh, at this stage in the story look at that that's an absolutely terrific shot uh and the ice warrior is a great imposing silhouette um and beautifully done there by as i say i think aa englander and uh and yes I, does that and 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 yeah but the, yes the foam because it had been used so extensively in fury from the deep would would viewers sort of go oh it's another foam monster although you know the the seeds aren't aren't the monster um now here we are uh the film cameraman is oh it's peter hall well there we go i was totally wrong uh i thought was AA Englander's trademark, and part of me was going, but I think it might be Tony Lego. Peter Hall. So totally wrong, Toby. So it's a good job I checked. Otherwise, I'd have had to have been doing a I think you'll find. Um, and let me, was I right about Tommy Laird, though? Double for Doctor Who, Tommy Laird. So there we go. I think honours are even. Um, and do you know what? If I'd had to place a bet, I would have gone, oh, I'm right about the film cameraman and I'm wrong about uh, the Doctor. I think it's because Michael Ferguson used A.A. Englander for for Ambassadors and for Claws of Axos. And because there's that silhouette thing going on. I think A.A. Englander, it's not so much the silhouette is that you get the sun flaring the lens on his film camera work. Uh which is just a, maybe a step above from the silhouette here. Although, no, I I say P Peter Hall's film. I love that shot of the ice warrior and the trees, the silhouetted trees and the silhouetted warrior. Um, I'm liking the film camera work. It might end up 
being my favourite thing about this episode. Um, I, <laughs> um, it's certainly not going to be an, another slightly short-sighted Ice Warrior who... What's... Yes, you've noticed the Doctor. Well done. He was lying there in front of you. Did you go, well, it's clearly not Patrick Troughton, so I can leave him. <laughs> um, yeah, the short-sightedness of the Ice Warriors, I would say, is not this story's strong point. Ah, but Fushim is, and Fushim's going to do something brave now. Uh, um, and as I say, sadly, because because of this Doctor Who magazine article that, that, that had given away the cliffhangers, and because... Phipps gets uh, killed so close to the cliffhanger. I sort of knew that Phipps sadly wasn't wasn't long for this world. Although uh, he doesn't get the credit he deserves later on in episode five, um, which which I'm sure I will bang on about in great details. It's an, almost another Harvey situation where so he keeps going. Fusion saved by that. Phipps is about to save his. Arm. She doesn't acknowledge that at all. But really. Um, that is a funky costume she's got on, though, isn't it? And I think it's yellow, or or, so, or light, light and creamy. Anyway, it's great. It's a, yeah, it's a good costume. So he gets quite a few good costumes, uh, and and the one in the Dominators. Ah, uh, oh, he has to do quite a lot of acting in this, Christopher Cole, because he's either nervous or he's tense. Um, that is a fantastic heating control. Presumably, if the Ice Warriors were. Uh, susceptible to light you'd have a whacking great light light switch with dark really really bright um although they are uh, uh they do find light dangerous but only ultraviolet light but i'm just talking about um uh, other household things that we have yeah so phipps saves her uh gets killed uh but this makes for a, 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 and that that flashing wall, of course, makes for a more great silhouette work because she's she's very dark against the light, uh, and this ice warrior is going to take ages to decide to kill her. Uh, so that's the end of episode four, uh, which I hope you enjoyed. Uh, and I'm sorry I made the mistake about uh, Peter Hall, the cameraman. Uh, but I did come up with an idea for a documentary, uh, and this is copyright Toby Haydock uh, on... Uh, I'm recording this on the 1st of August, uh, 2021. Um, and now I will... Uh, oh, it's going to go to the menu anyway. So I will let it do its thing, and I will see what uh, Jay Butler-Moore has decided is the best thing about this episode. I think... I'm going to go for the film camera work. I love that location work and especially that shot of the silhouetted ice warrior against the silhouetted trees. Uh, so what is Jay's favourite thing about episode four? So going on to the fourth favourite thing, episode four, you could talk about this character in the whole thing, really, for any episode, but it's Fusion. Such a great actor. He's fantastic. The way he does, like, the fear, and then that bit at the end where he's, like, redeemed. He's kind of like, I suppose, a, a sci-fi trope in his base under siege stories. will be, like, the cowardly character. Like, it's game over, man. It's game over. You know, like Hudson in Aliens. Um, but he's such a good actor. Me and my friend Chris, when we used to watch this, we always studied his every move. We absolutely loved 
Fuchsia, he's such a great character. Brilliant. When he goes like, I want to live. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Now, I can't remember because there's been a break since I did this. Uh, what I chose for the previous episodes. Uh, because I think Terry Scully as Fusham is probably the best thing about the story as a whole. But I can't remember if I chose him earlier or not. Uh, I chose The Chase in episode three. Because uh, if I did choose him earlier, I, I get I get points for that. Um, but I can't remember. Oh, I chose the Phipps subplot in episode two. And what did I choose for episode one? I might have chosen Michael Ferguson, mightn't I? So I might have been holding on for Fusham and in holding on, then forgetting. Ah, oh, I'm a fool. It's tactics. This game requires tactics. Um, so in holding on, I've actually not been able to show my... I've just actually done that in fantasy cricket. Let's not get into that. Oh, my life is a series of missed opportunities. Um, because, yeah, well, I thoroughly endorsed the choice of Fusham. I think Terry Scully's performance of nervousness and um, you know a little final bit of rabbit courage uh is and, and it's a it's a hard part and that sort of um uh you know extreme nervousness uh is i i i think very hard to pull off um and those sort of histrionics are, are very hard to do and uh, and especially in on television i think and especially on multi-camera television where your performance has to suit a close-up and a wide shot and sometimes cutting between the two it's it's not as easy as it looks when it's done well uh so i thoroughly concur even though i don't think i chose terry scully and i should have done earlier in order not to be trumped by jay there on episode four but i'm not complaining because i am very happy to credit the late great um rather sad i think as i say he had a had a nervous breakdown when he was working on survivors which led him to not continue playing vic thatcher um oh bless him terry scully fine actor um uh who played fusion so uh well i don't think i'm gonna Oh, I've still got a chance to tie if I get the same thing about episode five and episode six and the bonus thing. Um, so I'm, I'm going to keep going because I want to live, um, uh, which I will do uh, for the next two episodes, at least, I hope. Um, but first of all, I'm just going to go and pitch a documentary. Welcome to Toby Haydock's Time Travels podcast clearance awaited. Uh, hello. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Um, I'm not going to say much um, at the beginning. Uh, I'm just going to get straight on with it. Uh, I'm going to turn up the volume on my DVD, which is on um, episode select because, well, you'll hear why, because it's, it's got this trailer for the Seeds of Death on some sort of a loop. So uh, that would have... Uh, that would have uh, made for a very uh, an unclean opening, and uh, there's one thing I don't like: it's my opening being unclean. So uh, let us begin. I, so I'm on 
uh, episode selection so I'm going to press select you may want to press play however you want to do it some of you I know just listen without the pictures um, you, you crazy mavericks well we're going to go in three two one there we go it's the beginning of the seeds of death episode five um uh, we're, and we're sort of going live if you're a patron certainly um if you've listened to episode four which uh, was released as as i record this three or four days ago what that means is that i released episode four without having watched episodes five and six so we're we're, we're pretty much live if you're a non-patron it doesn't matter you get them uh, uh several months later Oh, how do I get them earlier, Toby? Go to my Patreon page. Oh, I used to do this all the time. Um, <laughs> oh, no, only a Doctor Who fan could uh, know the plinky plonky incidental music of Doctor Who. Um, uh, so yes, I'm I'm going live as a. Uh, as as the ice wearer takes quite a while to kill Zoe, but she is silhouetted brilliantly against that inexplicable wall of lights. Uh, but um, that this this sort of works worked much better in the compilation because uh, it, the ice wearer didn't seem to take quite so long because it, uh, it obviously had to wait for the credits to roll last week um, on on the nice uh, uh, and uh, and the temperature had to go up and the uh, handily large uh, temperature thing there um but they do look good the ice warriors um i've i i i know that uh, they had to be very careful about when they when they fell over because you could uh because of the, the the nature of the the neck uh if you uh if you sort of fell forward onto you onto your chest um and your neck carried on going because of the momentum you could you could chop your head off so i know i think there's one in monster peloton where it's lying on the ground where it actually doesn't have the front piece on uh, you can see both pieces on that one, and then they're not quite joined together. Um, so, yeah, he's got it. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. So, of course, of course. Uh, so, um, uh, the the Ice Warrior uh, uh, was uh, was was moved by the fact that uh, it wasn't Patrick Troughton last week, but now it is Patrick Troughton. He's gone. Oh, I better go back and look again. Quite what the prone bodies smack in front of him uh didn't uh didn't arouse his suspicion last week i've no idea perhaps he perhaps he just can't see tommy laird's um uh so patrick Troughton is 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 back this week um uh but yes uh, as as i say as i record this um uh, i'm i'm rather panicky it's actually i've got i'm got to try and get two episodes in tonight and it is literally 50 minutes before 10 o'clock because you know what it's like because because i am essentially d doing this as live um uh in in order to get this out on time uh so uh, as we know the lights go out at 10 o'clock so uh uh let's uh, uh let's hope that nothing goes wrong um so zoe is back and we we have the sa where's Phipps says uh, says Jamie at least he has a sort of look uh, to, towards wh where they'd gone, um, but she makes much more of a fuss about the fact that Fushim has nearly saved her life, um, as as well she might because actually much as I'm I'm annoyed at the lack of credit Phipps gets, I'm also annoyed with myself for not choosing Fushim before this episode because this of course is his last episode. Uh, Pat Gorman at the back there. Um, 
Oh, uh, so I yes, yeah, so I foolishly I didn't choose Fushim, who would have been one of my six things, seven things, but uh, Jay got in there before me. Um, this is uh, Sir James Gregson, played by Hugh Morton. He's also in the film of Quatermass in the Pit as a snooty journalist, um, but he's also dressed in a terrible outfit. Can, you can imagine him, can't you? Uh, is, is, am I really wearing this? Could, could, could we have a word with my agent? I, I normally, uh, I, I normally wear baggy slacks and uh, maybe a polo deck jumper and a tweed jacket. Um, he's quite a good character, uh, as as sort of testy officials go. And I remember in that Doctor Who magazine, uh, I, I I read before I got this that gave everything away about it. It described him as the late Hugh Morton because at, at that point, I think all of the other oh no philip ray was dead i think but but the majority of the cast were were still alive which is uh, the opposite now where actually uh, almost all of the cast are no longer with us but uh, hugh morton's brother oh another brilliant silhouette of the ice warrior i love that um hugh morton's brother was clive morton who plays trenchard in the sea devils so they are a rare pair of siblings to have appeared in Doctor Who, uh, off the top of my head, there are the guards, Dominic and Christopher, uh, and uh, I'm sure some more uh, will pop into my head. Now, this foam machine, now, it's, uh, actually, I like the, the, the foam against uh, all the sort of flora and fauna, the, 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 the trees and stuff, but the foam isn't terribly scary, although I actually like... I like the stuff that's on film. Everything just looks better on film. The ice, that ice wearer costume looks better on film. It's glistening, isn't it? It's like a shiny carapace. Look at that. I think that's... They are a great design. Hats off to Martin Ball. Um, very cumbersome to wear, but they're a good design. Um, but the I was going to say the foam isn't scary. Actually, the foam going in front of the camera there is, is quite oppressive. I think the point I was... Go oh, hang on. I will talk about the foam in a bit. That is Peter Whittaker who plays Inspector Gascoigne in uh, the, the Faceless Ones. And he gets a credit in that. Uh, I, I don't know why, because he doesn't say anything, but he, he gets a couple of special actions. Uh, but he, he pretty much does exactly the same in this episode, which is he comes on, uh, sees somebody that's got it in for him, uh, and gets shot, because that's precisely what happens to his character in the Faceless Ones, uh, where he gets a credit, but he doesn't here. He's... Uh, he was obviously a past master, didn't need to rehearse much. They just went, Peter, do your thing. What? Walk on and get killed. That's essentially it. So uh, there we go. Well done, Peter Whittaker. Um, uh, you've had your moment in the sun. Uh, well, appropriate for the weather control. Um, I, like, I like the fact that the weather control unit, uh, there's, there's no subtlety, is there? It's either dry or it's not. <laughs> they haven't got a sort of little switch for uh, muggy with a chance of rain later. Or uh, or uh, 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 yes, uh, 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 April showers or absolute downpour, hail, uh, no dry or not. Um, so Patrick Trout is back from his holiday, uh, and is, has he had a shave? Yeah, maybe. Has, has he shaved his sideboards off? Uh, I know it's 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 stated. Uh, I think in the discontinuity guide that is. His his uh his sideburns change legs, but not particularly noticeable to me. Not as noticeable as Miss Kelly's costume, her Dolly Bird slug outfit, whatever her, her, 
her, uh, yeah, finless sex stegosaurus, whatever else she is, her, uh, uh, her Barbie log. She does. It's got its ridge-like bark, isn't it? Uh, she is very swish, though. She's very beautiful, and she's cool as a cucumber. Um, I so and I, it's funny with the seeds of death because it will never be a favourite of mine for no fault of its own. Because is it any better? Is it any worse than the Ice Warriors? But the Ice Warriors, you see, was unavailable. Tomb of the Cybermen was unavailable. I actually think Tomb is rather overrated, but that's a conversation for another day. And I did before it came back because I'd got a few of the soundtracks. I mean, it was like listening to them underwater um, while somebody poured socks into your ears. Um, oh, poor Fushum. Oh, I'll choose Terry Scully for this episode. I can't because Jay already has. Um, poor old Fushum. But he gets... Uh, oh, and I think Alan Bennion's crutch has split. Yes, it has. Um, uh, well, unless... Unless Lars... Unless Lars a lady. Uh, no, that's a terrible... That's an awful thing to say. But um, anyway, I can't believe I said that. We just suddenly got X-rated on this usually very clean uh, affair. Um, doom, doom, boom, boom, boom. Um, I, I do think that the, the, the Ice Lord costume is, is very good. That might have to be one of my things. Oh, and that's the other thing they did with the Ice Warriors when they brought them back, didn't they? They they got rid of the they got rid of the brilliant hands. So let's bring back a classic Doctor Who monster. What's good about these monsters? Well, they've got a brilliant design. They've got these sort of claw-like hands and they've got this really distinctive voice they hiss. Right, let's do neither of those things. Uh... Uh, and oh, and is that is that inner flesh part of the outer flesh? Are they a cyborg? I don't know. It's it's a bit mystery what they look like underneath. Uh, the mystery is quite beguiling, isn't it? Yeah, let's 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 uh, let's lose the mystery as well. I mean, I, I actually like the episode Cold War, but it seemed to me it did the three things you don't do when you bring it back an old monster. But that's just me being a stick in the mud. Uh, this that's great. The uh, the uh, the the silhouette, the double silhouette of Fushim who I think looks rather like David Jason in this episode, more so than in the other episodes, uh, and and Sla there. Uh, and that's brilliant. Now, you see, if this episode had come back and, and I'd listened to the soundtrack millions and millions of times and then saw that this scene was filmed like that, I'd be like, oh, my God, you see so much when you're missing the pictures. But because we've always had it, uh, I, I will always sort of treat the seeds of death as... Oh, maybe sideboards are longer. I don't know. Um, I will always treat the Seeds of Death as sort of... And the men's costumes really don't help. They do look like Velcroed fuzzy felt. With, with as I say, pan, pan, just, p uh, visible panty lines. I mean, visible panty tape. Um, most people try and hide their, their panty lines. In the future, they is that what they decide to do? They reclaim the panty line in the future. They go, well, people can see our pants underneath. Well, uh, they shouldn't be looking there. I shall reclaim the pant line. I shall draw attention to the pant line and, and in the process lose my dignity. Uh, oh, space milkshake. Uh, they're drinking uh, behind a piece of scenery. Uh, uh, Jamie and Zoe. Um and 
and Miss Kelly's got a pencil and a, uh, a clipboard, um, which is another sort of thing that my, my family would have afforded at the idea that you could do tea mat and uh, would still need a padded paper. Um, but there we go. Um, I like the space milkshake. Um, so what was I saying? Yeah, so the, 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 the problem with the seeds of death is, is that it, it was always around. Now, um, I'm liking this stuff on film, which looks much, much better on the DVD than uh, than it did on the on the on the video. Um, uh, sort of horsing around, um, I, I think slightly naughtily uh, in, in this story sometimes. Um, I, 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 yeah, well, we'll get to that when we get to the episode ending. But but yes, anything about the seeds of death. If it had gone missing and come back, I th now I may only be speaking for myself and because it was the first video, so I've watched it so many times because I didn't have anything else to watch. Well, not much. I, you know, I had for a while I had this Revenge of the Cybermen and uh, Pyramids of Mars uh, and and uh, everything post time in the Rani. I think that was that was pretty much it. Um, uh, so because it didn't get itself lost, it, and it was very, very, very familiar, so I didn't have to imagine anything about it to then have those imaginings either confirmed or exceeded. Um, and I wonder if it would have been deemed a lost classic. Nobody seemed to bang on that much about it because the mind robber was there, and that was the, obviously the strange different story. Uh, the war games, which is, you know, the, the, the ten-part epic um, uh, to, to, to see out the era um, the the dominators which um, has been chosen for me for this podcast by a Doctor Who writer actually we'll, we'll get to that at some point uh, I love this sequence this is pure Troughton I, I, I like I, I, I think he uh, when he does when he does funny panic he's brilliant and the and the and the hanky on the face is just delightful uh, uh, and and the sort of sheer desperation uh and of course it's the gag that it's the last thing he chucks on it and he hasn't said what it is and the look on his face is absolutely priceless oh he's such a marvelous actor and there is just a little hint of a dark smile just at the end of that after the kind of well would you believe what it is that i chucked on it so much going on without doing too much with his face absolutely terrific um uh, I've actually had, uh, uh, of course, I've had some uh, correspondence, uh, which I might include in 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 the final part. Um, uh, I know that Joe Llewellyn, who's a, a, a great supporter uh, and a great correspondent, says he loves this uh, this Tardis trio, and I can't say I blame him. Um, it's 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 great that Zoe is clever and can sort of patronise Jamie, and Jamie is. Is brave but stupid, um, but but not 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 so stupid that he's he's sent up or patronised. I mean, Joey, so he does patronise him, but it's it's all good fun. Uh, bye. I love. Oh, I just love the way he waves. <laughs> yeah. Ask ask the computer. That's right. Uh, I've got. I've actually got a picture of John Whitty, the computer voice. Um, uh, I did a, I did a, 
a thing on Twitter where I put up pictures of uh, of uh, actors who played monsters or computers whose faces we didn't see because I thought people would be interested. I have no idea if anything I'm doing is interesting. Uh, so um, everyone's ever. I think even Alan Bennion is 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 done in post sync. Um, but oh, oh, it's the signal. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, are they going to speak to the Grand Marshal? He he does he does have a he does have a look of David Jason about him. I do think Slar looks better from the front. I'm not slightly sure about his sort of his uh, otter tail back to his helmet. Uh, I think they I, they have a cloak in Peladon, don't they? I think the cloak as well, because uh, I think yeah, I think the cloak really helps with the costume. Um, that's what I was going to say about the foam, because Fury from the Deep is you know this terribly scary story with this ominous heartbeat. Um, but the foam in this is quite comical. Uh, although is it actually I when I watched this first I I wasn't that bothered by the foam it was just like foam but actually in in this sort of cleaned up much much better version uh, I think the foam is actually quite ominous and quite creepy so my my point may not stand well it's just that it didn't the foam didn't seem particularly scary in this and so um, it made me worry that actually if when Fury, this, you know, the really scary one, if it ever came back, which seems increasingly unlikely, because uh, that's also got plinkety plonkety uh, uh, piano music in it too. Where the, and similar sort of costumes. Everyone's got those sort of slacks on as well. Uh, the, the, those, it's, the, 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 the technicians in Fury wear similar sorts of outfits. So, and because this isn't, I don't think this is a scary story. The thing that Fury, you know, is... is is famous for being is being one of the most terrifying terrifying uh, two and a half hours in doctor who history and you go well well with those things would it be although obviously the, the the that scene that turned up of mr oak and mr quill suggested that director hugh david really is going for the spooks but um who knows now um and who knows if we'll ever if we'll ever see it i do hope so I'd love to see. For many, many years, it was my favourite story. Of course it was, because I'd never seen it. That's how my stupid mind worked. Graham Lehman is the Grand Marshal. What else does Graham Lehman play, everybody? He plays the controller in the Macra Terra. He plays a Time Lord in Colony in Space. He also plays the Time Lord, although he looks very different because he's got a beard, uh, which he hasn't got in Colony in Space, in, uh, in The Three Doctors. And he's Price the technician uh, at the computer banks in the aforementioned Fury from the Deep. What do these parts all have in common? They all are seated. Uh, uh, and I had a theory, which I think is correct, is, um, is that they... Yes, they all remain seated, and I and I and I had a theory because he's in an episode of Doomwatch where he is on crutches, uh, and uh, so I came up with a theory that uh, he was a disabled actor, and I put this to the director of the Macrotera, John Davis, and he said, "Oh no, I don't think so." I was like, "Oh damn, that was that was such a good theory," uh, and then I put it to Margot Hayhoe, who's the production assistant on various stories, and she said she thought that he was. Um, 
and then bizarrely his son who's a musician was doing something at the theater royal in bath when i was doing moth saint my doc two scarf uh, and he was saying that his his dad carried on acting even in amateur stuff when he couldn't carry on acting as a professional and he played a dead body in a thing um when his mobility was was good and he had he had ms uh so although he wasn't as uh, as as my partner who's a wheelchair user is often keen to point out there is a there is a gulf between being gulf between being confined to a wheelchair and being able to do a dance uh and that some wheelchair users can stand and move about i, d I don't think he was um confined to uh, uh he was totally Im immobile that he couldn't stand up or anything but i think he had uh he had limited movement uh and actually without too much song and dance and and fanfare uh the bbc gave him a lot of work over the years with directors giving him parts where his restricted mobility was not an issue so i think that and so of course the fact that his character is in a moving wheelchair in the animation of fury from the deep uh, some people went oh it's political correctness gone mad or whatever actually um reflected the reality he's dead like david jason there and now he's dead um but he he, he was exactly like david jason there fushum and i think fushum uh comes good what a brilliant character he was uh and he finally uh uh does something brave um in in order to help out the the heroes well done fushum so his death not in vain and oh look troughton uh troughton's very good at reacting to the to the death and the tragedy of it um and uh yeah so that's a great that's a great final moment for that character who you would kind of expected to at least see it through to the end as well because it's only episode five so one of your main your main guest characters doesn't make it to to, to is to make it rain yes Je yes with jamie and zoe oh that's very good oh dear so zoe and jamie are in trouble that the warrior was seen there we go do 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 um uh so yes uh that's trout and running on the spot there even though we're on film and should have a bit more space uh but doesn't the film look gorgeous uh would, would doctor have looked better if it was all made on film probably but uh that's a pipe dream uh and it's all telly in it all telly in those days was a mixture of the two but they certainly get more done i think the foam here looks absolutely magnificent uh, i don't know why coming into this i was i was worried it wasn't uh it it, it wasn't scary i mean troughton does horse about in it a bit um and, and i know for this cliffhanger he, he he put his hand over his head in a funny way in order to um make it less scary for the kids I have to say, I think Troughton's brilliant, but I, I, I'm not sure how good an idea that is. <laughs> but this is this this is quite funny, but deliberate deliberately so. Um, but that's great. But the foam is really scary. The foam, is, but but for the audience who've had the web in the web of fear, which was partially foam, it's had the the, the foam from Fury from the Deep, and now foam again. Uh, do you think? Do you think they were going? Uh, uh, I, uh, are we having more foam in Doctor Who? Um, now, I think this is one of those rare perils of Pauline moments, isn't it? Where um, we 
we get a load of extra material before we get back to the cliffhanger next week. So we've left we've left Jamie and Zoe with the sort of ice warrior, uh, and and I've got a feeling that some of there's some additional business. Uh, oh dear, is this the, yeah that yes so. That's a slightly silly move from Patrick Chowton. Uh and I think we get uh, we get some extra business next week. Uh, however, uh, that was rather fun. Uh, so um, I've got to decide on my favourite thing. Now I would maybe say Fushim's death because it gives because that then I can sort of which is probably gonna. It's it's not going to help me any because I suspect Jay, you know, having played the Fushim card, is not now not going to mention Fushim again. But I feel very strongly that uh, that I should have chosen Fushim as a character, which I and as a performance, which I now cannot do because uh, because Jay beat me to it. That's them's the rules. Um, I'm just going to silence the trailer. Um, but if I if I choose. Fushim's death scene, that moment where the cowardly guy comes good um, and you know, does something brave at the cost of his life, which gives us a high point of drama, but a nice conclusion to an important character, brilliantly played by the late uh, Terry Scully, who I think had a had a tricky life, and that was reflected in, in his performances, which were often people uh, you know, just a little bit on the edge. So we benefited uh, from that um, bless him so I am choosing F yes Fushim's demise so what has Jay chosen for good thing number five um, so number five um, I'm going for the ice lords um, the just the design of them of the sort of mask there I mean I guess there's a bit of a debate about once you get things like the Ice Lords and Davros with the Daleks that the Ice Warriors or the Daleks become kind of henchmen. Um, I don't mind that. I do really love the Ice Lords, um, the performance of the guy who plays Slarth. Um, and of course, in this episode, you can't forget the amazing sparkly disco Ice Lord who's Slarth's boss. When you get to be at a certain point in the Ice Warrior hierarchy, obviously you get the glittery helmet with all that sparkles on it. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, there's something about uh, the the Ice Lords that I, I was sort of saving for next week, which I will. I will. I'll save it all for next week. Um, I knew I was falling on my sword there. Um, the Ice Lords are great. Alan Bennion. Uh, plays them all apart from the the Grand Marshal because he's he's in the Curse and the Monster of Peladon. Uh, he, he is the definitive Ice Lord. Excellent actor. Sadly, never got to uh, to meet him. Um, okay, so uh, that is the end of the Seeds of Death. Um, I don't want you to be too scared of this episode ending, so I'm putting my hand over my head in a needlessly comical fashion. <laughs> Uh, and I will see you next time. Thanks very much. Oh, I turned to, into the commander from the Ark there, who is who is almost as sibilant as the. Uh, well, we we will 
They will be put on the micro-cell slides. Is one of the impressions I could do. We are in the 57th segment of time. Uh, that's that's my impression of the commander from the Ark, which has got nothing to do with this story at all. But <laughs> just in case you weren't sure how much of a stream of consciousness these blooming things are. I think you'll find. 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 Oh, yeah, you know that uh, fact I slung into that episode there about uh, Hugh Morton being the brother of Clive Morton from the Sea Devils? Yeah, load of old rubbish. <laughs> don't know why I thought that. I don't know where I'd pick that up from. I don't know why I didn't bother to check when I dispensed that or wisdom that I just have on tap. Yeah, well, it was a tap that uh, got <laughs> Legionnaire's disease in it um, in terms of if, you know, stagnant water led to an erroneous fact it's not a very good metaphor but there we go it wasn't a very good fact it wasn't a fact it was one of those facts that isn't true um so i'm uh, i'm sorry about that but uh, i'm i'm glad i have the opportunity to re- redress the um, unfactualness of my observation in this omnibus edition and i'm very very sorry Well, welcome everybody. It's time for the final instalment of The Seeds of Death, one of the very first Doctor Who stories to be released on VHS. Uh, It's been released a couple of times on DVD, uh, but as yet not on Blu-ray. So who knows what delights will be in store for it then. But for now, it's being given the Happy Times and Places commentary treatment. Thank you for joining me. I'm going to press play in three, two, one. Well, strictly speaking, I'm pressing select on uh, episode selection. So, yeah, I didn't get any of this uh, stuff when I first saw this. It just jumped uh, from the end of episode five to the beginning of episode six. So it's quite a surprise that this does a Perils of Pauline uh, kind of cheat because we last saw jamie and zoe uh being left behind in the weather center by the ice warrior um oh i've and i've had a bit of uh correspondence ding 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 um uh and sabrina tirabassi who is one of my valued patrons uh says that the opening planets bits uh, remind her a bit of uh, of russell t davis because uh, seasons would start and in fact the very first uh, thing we saw of Doctor Who when it came back was a was a a, a, a pan into the earth uh, slightly more sophisticated what we see there but I think those model shots work work very nicely so basically the Doctor is being beset by balloons and foam don't try this at home even though you actually could foam with talcum powder in I guess um, so you could yes this is a great one you could do uh, you could do all of this at home bath time must have been uh quite a laugh um so here we go so this is this is what we saw last time we saw an ice warrior uh, approaching jamie and zoe and then going away again uh they, they do a lot of sort of walking up to things and then walking the other way um but now i think we get a lot of extra action so in that it is a bit like uh planet of spiders planet of the spiders uh 
episode six where we literally get half an episode um but that was due more to timings being askew because of them uh not using uh footage that they'd shot and so the timings were all over the place that the entire episodes had to be sort of rejigged uh whereas this is uh this is a slight cheat. I love I love the way the foam gets so high it actually blocks out the the lighting. Uh so yeah, we didn't get any of this with Jamie and Zoe. Um so obviously the cliffhanger was a bit a uh, bit more perilous for the doctor because the ice warrior was on its way. Jamie and Zoe were still in the the weather control and the doctor was trapped behind the door, but uh, he's now got ages uh in 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 which to uh, escape thanks to Jamie doing that and uh, Zoe being able to let him in and I think she corpses doesn't she when she uh, when she lets him in uh, because Troughton is in a pesky mood this week although that's not this week because he's on film uh, so that's the cliffhanger which we got before we'd seen uh, a lot of that a uh, lot of that stuff with Zoe and Jamie uh, so the interior of the door is on film as well just does look so much better doesn't it uh, so she's going to let him in now uh, so we had none of that. So that's a big cheat, which Doctor Who didn't do that often. Uh, and, and you know, always used to... Because we used to watch... what We didn't watch Perils of Pauline, but yes. So it, uh, <laughs> Wendy Padfrey is guffawing away there. Uh, <laughs> she's having a whale of a time. Oh, look at the way he waddles. He's brilliant. Um and I think she skids now as well. So he will have had to have got covered in that just before they started shooting in the studio. Uh, and I think, doesn't she go, let's go this way and then slips and runs the other way anyway. It's this way. No, I've slipped and I'm going the way you went anyway. <laughs> uh, never work with children, animals or foam. Um, hey, Jenny Linden, do you mean fire extinguisher? Um, I wonder how many of you get that joke. Probably loads of you. Um, if you're doing this, you're pretty extreme. If you're listening to this, you're pretty extreme. Um, uh, so what was I talking about? Yes. Um, so we got, I think we watched King of the Rocket Men and Daredevils of the Red Circle. They were the sort of Sunday. No, they were week. The BBC Two showed them about six o'clock. And they were the, you know, the weekly cinema serials uh, that, yeah, you'd see somebody fall off a cliff and you go, oh, no they've died because they've fallen off a cliff and then the following week it was um, just about to fall on a cliff and then suddenly uh, there would be loads of mattresses under the cliff and actually uh, the person uh, stopped the cliff from being a cliff and then the person didn't fall I mean they did so you know so many things to, to mean that the cliffhanger was just was just a cheat uh, which Doctor Who to its credit uh, doesn't do very often uh, uh, but it does do there that's not a uh, that, that's, a, that's a very rare example of the cheat to get out of the cliffhanger. I like that the way that the uh, the, the the it has the, it has the same mirrory effect on the door. Isn't it good actually? The ice warriors they must have had a book, mustn't they, to go ice warrior gun uh, mirrorlon uh, ice lord uh, Alan Bennion uh, just to keep continuity because it's some years between between appearances. Do you think they do you think they rung somebody up and say how do we do the ice warriors guns or if somebody remembered? Because as I say, it's we we you know we keep an eye on these things but doctor who has s such a lack of consistency sometimes about titles and you know just the just the way that the, the episodes open indeed because uh, this has the planets thing uh the space pirates has the uh 
has the black on white, which is uh, rather beguiling. Then the War Games has the uh, opening. Um, and I like it. I like it that Doctor Who, um, d you know, doesn't have uniform things. I rather like that about uh, about recent Doctor Who, the, the, the Chibnall era. Um, a bit of action here. I like this. This is episode six, isn't it? There's machine guns and that those two are going to stand there and get killed. Um but yeah, this is great. This because of course it's the final episode, so you bring out the troops. And I like the fact they've gone some effort with the guns and have the gas, whatever they are. It's just future, future gun things. Um, oh, and the Doctor kills the ice for it as well, doesn't he? Yes, he's a he's a nice chap, but he 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 will murder. But somehow this isn't as offensive as the Doctor shooting the Ogrons in Day of the Daleks. I don't know why. I'm a hypocrite. Uh, I think it's because the Doctor that the third Doctor uses a gun, whereas using solar lights is somehow better disintegrating an ogron with a gun is worse than melting an ice warrior with some lamps that's that's my morality <laughs> um but yeah I, I you know i do i do like about the uh the the, the chibdal era that you know we've had a couple of times when when the end music's been different on rosa there was that song wasn't there and and demons of the Punjab, they had a different arrangement of the theme and and actually when a couple of times in the first episode the woman who fell to earth we didn't have the opening titles and the opening music but that was clever because it meant that we we wanted we we had that thing to discover the following week it, it, you know there was an, another first night if you like um, um so i like it when and we tend to think of those sorts of being consistent i love that the uh, ricochet effect that is very very cool the way that the uh uh the the, the way that the ice story just goes yeah uh, i got a i got a carapace matey and it does the ricochet noise um but yes i like it that doctor who doesn't do sort of uniformity um and fair enough when i'm doing doing the podcasts i uh when I started doing it, I thought I have to do, you know, get the music exactly the same and do the intro in exactly the same way. And and because I think a little bit, you know, on the spec, we, we like all our spines to be the same, don't we? Come on, we're the only people from companies, maybe not the only people, but who companies, the, the company that supplies us with our thing, uh, gives us reser reversible sleeves and caters to our everyone. I think on the latest. Uh, well, on the on the missing episodes, you get you know you get an animation, you get a black and white animation, you get a telesnap recon, you get a telesnap recon with narration and without narration. It's because somebody somewhere goes, well, I actually prefer it this way, and and I, I, that's that's my voice when I'm being pedantic as well. We are, we are like that, but isn't that extraordinary? I mean, we're assholes, frankly. In fact, I have to have it in a particular way. Um, when when actually the show itself is not is not uniform and what i can do for for this episode because um uh, i've released the first four episodes of this before i recorded the last two i've been quite busy um i got an unexpected job and my partner's not very well um i need a holiday uh, i should what i should do is i should get tommy laird to play me in a couple of episodes to buy me some time um but of course he wouldn't be able to say anything um so um Stephen White there's a lot of correspondence about Miss Kelly. Stephen White has a massive crush on Miss Kelly. He says Jason Thompson who's a a a relatively new um patron. So hello Jason. Uh you've said nice things on Twitter as well before that. Said that Gagarin actually looks more like Alexei Leonov from the spacewalk on Vostok 2 rather than Gagarin on Vostok 1. 
which is more knowledge than I could ever claim to have, Jason. And I'm sure you're right. Uh, this is these are the reactions to episode one, of course. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so Jason obviously knows his spacemen. His body, yeah. Yeah, only Doctor Who, you have to be very grim about, we need some rain. Um, uh, and Jason also likes the fact that, yes, there's an old guy building a rocket, when, of course, at this time, rockets to the moon were, you know, the apex uh, of uh, of scientific uh, achievement. And, and now rockets are old hat and built by an old guy in his garden. I think I've alluded to that, uh, but I do think that's... Did I even did I choose that as my thing? I might not have chosen that as my as a thing yet, have I? Because that is superb. Just the 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 modern the most modern thing that mankind has done. Its greatest achievement is now something people do in their potting shed. I love that. That's so doc too. But what I love about the Grand Marshal, apart from the fact that I just love the story of Graham Lehman and the fact that he he's he's one of the most prolific guest actors in the whole of Doctor Who. Uh, with five appearances. Um, he was also served with uh, Spike Milligan. Uh, and I know when they had a when they had a reunion, uh, Graham Lehman was unable to get himself there because of his MS. So Spike Milligan took a detour to pick him up to make sure that uh, everyone was there. And, and Milligan could be tricky. Um, so, But what I love uh, about the Grand Marshal is that he speaks without hissing. Because the reason they hiss is because our air is not great for them. Ah, so not everybody just speaks in English and has the same speech patterns. Aliens have a reason for speaking the way that they do. So it means they have a distinctive voice. It gives the actors something different to do. It makes the monsters sound different. It means that you recognise them, not just from what they look like. Um, uh, so that was another thing they didn't do when they brought them back. <laughs> and, I, and I love the fact that they've gone to the thought of going, well, if the, the Grand Marshal's in their spaceship, He'll be in their own atmosphere. So he will have the... No so that's actually what the Ice Warriors sound like. They sound like Graham Lehman. Uh, and all the others are Ice Warriors struggling uh, with our, our atmosphere. Wheezing. Like my granddad who only had one lung because he'd had TB. Um, now, I don't think that's... Because this paper... Michael Wisher said he'd come and done some voice stuff for Michael Ferguson, and that was his first uncredited appearance. Um, and, and, but that sounded like John Whitty to me, and why would you get Ferguson... Uh, why would you get Wisher? Uh, but there may be some other voices that I've missed. Is But is Wisher in here? Or is that just a wisherful thinking on our part? Um, and yeah, because... And maybe he was getting confused, because... No, because he said it was with Patrick Troughton. Anyway, Michael Wisher claimed to have done something on this. Uh, and the, 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 the documents I have say, uh, Michael Wisher, other voices, but is not mentioned in the paperwork. And you go, well, so you've just done that from an anecdote. Uh, but the eagle, I, I can't listen to this when I do these podcasts because I have to talk all the time. And if I stopped and listened, um, you'd just hear bits of the programme. Um, which may be preferable. Uh, uh, Richard Straw says, talk, just talk about Miss Kelly for the whole of the six episodes. I'd love to, Richard. The, the boys do like Miss Kelly. Well, uh, I've thought of some, some more descriptions of her, of her 
outfit because um, uh, Gary Gillett particularly liked uh, Kinky Armadillo Gimp. Thanks, Gary. Uh, as, and Gary, uh, by the way, who is also uh, a patron, uh, congratulations for now being executive editor of Inside Soap magazine, which, ironically, in his first issue, has a picture of me in it because I am currently in a soap opera. Um uh, not one, sadly, that produces lots of suds and foam, uh, and I, which which would enable me to pretend I'm in the seeds of death. Uh, but I came up with uh, more uh, titles for uh, more descriptions of Miss Kelly. Um, oh, a, a note by the way for the for the Ice Warrior demise. Uh, do we not? Yeah, that that quick cutting is very Ferguson, and it's really really effective. And the negative, it's just simple zip 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 camera. Uh, uh, cuts and the and the very simple negative effect but uh it's really distinctive and it really works and i don't think i've mentioned it before um but trouton is i mean Trouton's just on the rampage here but there's something as i say there's something less offensive um about that with is interesting isn't it it's like well it's like people who who object to people going hunting for animals but will buy one off a supermarket shelf we don't mind death if it's wrapped up in in sanitized ways very interesting what does that say about us oh we're just awful hypocrites um he's got good body language alan benny and i don't think i've gone on about alan benny en enough he's really really good uh uh and makes this part his own his 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 sleek body language his uh his uh his excellent vocal performance but his poise there is very very good uh and uh, uh thoroughly deserves to be the person who comes back i think and to play uh uh the ice ice lords um uh, which jay chose last week as the favorite thing the ice lord and of course little voice rang out somewhere going they're not actually referred to as ice lords anywhere in the history of doctor who this is a great shot of Troughton uh in the foreground and and sla and the and the focus pulling there um <laughs> um anthony carroll also got this from john fitton books and magazines and david gillespie is gonna dig out the vhs and watch for nostalgia it's terrible i actually got rid of my vhs's part of me wishes i'd kept them just because it's nice to have that tie with the past i've just got a real pang uh, i actually gave them i gave them away though i was moving and i put a thing on facebook saying can anybody use these and the bloke said well my son's just got into doctor who and he's got his own little video and telly. So I gave, so he came round and I gave him two IKEA bags full of VHSs. I hung on to a couple for nostalgia's sake. Uh, have I got a couple? But I, I didn't hang on to the seeds of death. I don't think. And even if I did, it'll be somewhere in the attic. But I don't think I have, which actually really saddens me now. I really needed to get, in, I really needed to get rid of them. But I get really sentimental. I wasn't a massively happy kid, but little things from my childhood just, I don't know, I find it quite profound that these things, they never age nor whether they flux nor whether they change their state. And yet uh, uh, so many bits of me have fallen off and out <laughs> between now and then that perhaps perhaps if I had my, my VHS of, uh, of, uh, of the seeds of death, it would be like a little anchor keeping me in my prime sitting there like peter pan in all its unrestored glory um um oh 
Uh, but Paul, Paul, that's a brilliant shot. The, 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 that mask is so good. But I do like Jay's observation that, yes, the, the more important you, you get in Ice Warriorville, the more disco you get. Uh, perhaps they just, because they're spaceships, you know, they just have to home in on a signal. Perhaps they spend the rest of the time boogie-woogieing. Uh, somebody wrote into Doc 2 magazine asking what Troughton said then when he said there's many a slip twixt the cup and lip, which is not a, a, a saying that people use very often, but of course now it's one that is etched into my psyche. Lots of beautiful Michael Ferguson close-ups here. These are gloriously done, and it really helps with the tension. Um... His, his, his use of camera is so inventive uh, because he's because of course these days you'd probably tell a bit of this with with the spaceships you might even see the Martians in their spaceships but you can't you have to do it through tension and tension comes from close-ups uh, on your static actors very good um, Paul Paul Ingerson says that no matter how, how hard I try, I won't beat the best review of the Seeds of Death, which is on Recarts Doctor Who. If you're if you're a patron, it's uh, it's under the write up for I think episode two or three, three maybe. So check it out because <coughs> it was very very funny. It's it's not from Doctor Who fans. <coughs> it's very funny. Um. Stephen White uh, is appreciating Michael Ferguson's work, as we all are, um, and it's quite a it's quite a simple. Uh, sh no, be quiet, Alexa. See, just goes to show how technology can fail us, and it's 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 pretty harsh for the uh, for the Ice Warrior fleet that the Doctor wipes out but because he scampers about and is a bit funny the the mass murder sort of goes unnoticed and because they're green and yet and yet you know ogrons are are no more or less humanoid and just a simple going out of focus to kill the grand marshal there but it, it means uh graham lehman gets to uh pop into doctor who uh so he's he's actually in each patrick trout and season macroterra fury from the deep Seeds of death. Well done, Graham Lehman. Uh, and yeah, he comes back for Colony and then the three doctors. So he has quite a good run. Uh, but I think he uh, he then got gradually less able to work uh, because of his because uh, of his MS. As I say, he's in an episode of Doomwatch in uh, on crutches. Uh, you have destroyed. Uh, so uh, Miss Kelly's costume, uh, armored sex doll. Uh, tire-clad secretary, kinky woodlouse, ribbed lady shape, uh, vulcanized love bot, uh, swingers party, aardvark chick, and ice lady. There we go. Take your pick from those. Um, uh, yeah, Slar's reaction is it's, it's like he's so annoyed with the doctor, it has a physical effect on him. Um, uh, which which uh, Alan Bennion pulls off quite well, but there's a bit of they are restricted in their movement, so he had to do a little bit of uh, I'm 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 standing, and then I love the way he sort of deflates. <laughs> that really is a sort of um, so. Uh, and I seem to recall in uh, the book of Monster of Peladon, the the 
the ice lord is killed by the ice warrior's gun in a tussle and and actually in the story he's he's killed with a sword but it seemed to me that it was a a brian halesian trope to get you know to 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 manhandle one monster in order to get it to shoot the other but of course brian hales didn't actually write uh this episode well terence dix rewrote seeds of death quite heavily um so maybe uh terence did it in the book because it was a terence dix trope or maybe it was in the script uh and lenny main changed it by having him killed by a Zixia killed by a guard instead i don't know uh that's a thing to find out but i certainly know that in in at the end of this and at the end of the book of monster of peladon the ice lord is not called an ice lord is killed in the same way um uh uh patronizing snail lady um <laughs> i've given you enough different things for miss kelly philip ray he's in the uh hancock uh 12 angry men episode isn't he um uh, I like it when the yes, when the TARDIS crew just and I'm a bit like I'm not great at goodbyes, um, and I've done it before, where I've just sort of absented myself. There's a couple I regret though. There's a lady who was really nice to me, a dresser on a on a plane. I got a lift back and I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to her. Um, Nikki, oh dear. Um, anyway, but and what fascinates me about this as well is that I take these pictures so for granted because I've seen them so many times. But the very next pictures broadcast of Doctor Who, the Space Pirates Part 1, do not exist. Uh, so, you know, separated by a week. This I've seen gazillions of times. And uh, um, the next episode I've not seen at all. Nice speed for the credits uh, and much better than the ones... Although the ones on the end of uh, the the BBC video are good because uh, they give everyone a single caption. But uh, the order is all over the place, as I'm sure Christopher Cole's agent would have brought up if they'd had anything about them. Um, so there we go. That is the end of uh, The Seeds of Death. Paul Allen uh, comes back to design Spearhead from Space. And... Horror Fang Rock. Don't think I've ever seen an interview with him. I think he's no longer with us. Next week, the Space Pirates. Not for us. Next week. Oh, well, next week. Um, I know what it is because uh, I'm so close to transmission, as it were. Uh, next week, everybody, is the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Uh, and then after that, it's Inferno. So there you go. You've got an exclusive just because... Um, uh, I have actually recorded those, but I needed to do a Troughton first. Uh, I don't know why. I think because it doesn't matter. You don't care. You don't know. It, you don't need to know. Um, this for the historians of the future to discover. Now, listen, what's Jay? Jay has got to choose uh, a thing about episode six and a thing overall. My thing about episode six is the fact that the Grand Marshal, and again, this is an echo of what Jay chose for episode five. So I, I've, I've, I've lost this one. I know I've lost this one. But is the fact that the Grand... I love the brilliance and attention to detail that the Grand Marshal, in his own environment, speaks uh, in a different way from the Ice Warriors who are struggling to speak in our atmosphere. I love that. 
it's very clever and it's just one of the little things about the ice warriors that that, that just makes them slightly more rounded and thought about as as monsters which is why they're in the sort of top top five of doctor who villains so well done to them not villains monsters monsters and villains are different uh, and my overall thing i think because i don't think i've chosen this is the whole idea that space flight and landing on the moon which is so current to the people watching the show when it went out doctor who goes ha that's going to be something an old man can do in his shed. And we've moved beyond that. We've got matter transportation in the future. And you know your brave new world you're living in. It's a quaint old thing in Doctor Who world. Even though Doctor Who still has pencils and clipboards and plugs. Uh, so uh, I love the fact that it's thinking of all to, uh, always of going, yeah, but even the best that we can do now in the great world of the future when they when they have the outlines of their pants on their trousers when the ladies are dressed as uh, yeah uh, 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 rubber sex mollusks uh, <laughs> yeah but but yeah uh, yeah barbie crustaceans um uh, even in the future uh uh, in, in that in that in that in that future, um, where the men wear fuzzy felt and the ladies wear rubber, um, your rockets, your moon landings, pa, they will be nothing. They will be quaint. They will be old fashioned. They will be ramshackle. Uh, and I love the idea that today's spangly is tomorrow's ramshackle um, because it keeps us in our place a little bit. And ramshackle Doctor Who does well. The TARDIS is the best space timeship in the world. In, in in fiction in in it's it's the best piece of technology in most of the stories it's in and it looks like a shabby blue box it's not glistening it's not glittery it's not sparkly it's not spangly it's a bit knackered a bit ramshackle but it it somehow manages to do miracles it's a bit like us at our best <laughs> a bit like doctor who love it love it so that very wheeze is my bonus thing so jay's going to choose two things and they are so number six i've just would like to mention the humor in the whole serial really most of it from patrick trout and obviously um the stuff like with the phone when he falls in uh, it's unintentional but when he falls through the door and um wendy padbury is like laughing and um, it's just fantastic um i think that's one of those all-time great kind of tv sort of blooper moments um and all of patrick Troughton's lines like um kill him oh i suppose i could get the hang of it and wonderfully when he's looking for the to shut the door and he goes um oh where is it where is it oh there it is it's got a shut on it i mean it's just fantastic uh, the way he's just always going like my word my word my giddy arm oh it's just so funny it makes me laugh so much um so yeah the humor um, uh, yes, that's the that's I love. Well, I suppose I could get the hang of it. Is that's so dry and so funny? Um, I think he goes as far as he should, and maybe slightly too far. As I say, with the hand uh, at the end of episode five, I do, he's very good at falling into foam though and sliding about and the waddle. He is he's a brilliant physical comedian, uh, but he t he gets quite close to the line in this story, I would say. But he's so good, he's got such gravitas. 
such a good actor and he's so intelligent uh he never loses his dignity when even he never loses his dignity even when he's pratting about he's so good he's so good i love doctor who <laughs> um bonus thing so that's number seven i was gonna talk about things like the concept of the story being old a technology being replaced by new blah, blah, blah. um but i'm gonna just have as my seventh thing the fact that everyone, apart from Miss Kelly, wears kind of funky space pants. So, that's it. Thanks. Bye. Oh, Jay, you nearly chose my thing. And instead you chose the thing that I think's worst about it, which is the funky space pants. Oh, Jay. Um, well, there we go. Jay and I have never met, but I love Jay on the internet. And we're Facebook friends. Uh, and I reached out and uh, Jay chose the seeds of death. Jay chose uh, seven things about the seeds of death. I think I chose one of the same things, which was the chase uh, in uh, in uh, episode three. But it's not it's not the destination. It's the journey. And unlike T-Mat, it's not a thing that takes a split second. Uh, it's a thing that has lots of different twists and turns uh, and I hope you enjoyed twisting and turning around the moon with me and with Miss Kelly uh, and uh, with uh, Terry Scully who also was one of my favourite things but uh, Jay pipped me to the post but anyway I enjoyed watching The Seeds of Death I hope you enjoyed it with me I'm sorry that currently uh, there's lots of happy times and places and not so many too much informations which are I know are the most popular strand of this uh, podcast but uh the one i'm working on at the moment has taken twice as long because it's it's well it's about the development of the daleks and i want to get it right uh and also as i say my mother has not been terribly well and uh, i got an unexpected job so i'm still producing material and uh, and and the next too much information is due very very soon uh but uh these are obviously slightly quicker to do and i nearly didn't get these out on time i mean yeah i should really be in bed because uh i'm working again tomorrow so um before i uh uh go to a a, a fictional place slightly closer to earth um but with like the seeds of death uh, plenty of soap suds uh Thank you for supporting these podcasts. As I say, apologies about too much information. Um, the, the, the I was hoping to get them out once a month, but these these are slightly quicker to do. So uh, um, that's why I've I filled gaps in the schedule with hastily recorded, but no less uh, effort. I hope and application put in. Um, I'll never quite know what I think of the seeds of death because it's such an anomaly. Because it was. It was the first VHS because it was never missing, uh, uh, and and, uh, and and it wasn't really written about much prior to it being on VHS either because sort of it was known to exist, so it was just sort of like well, it's not a loss. We don't we it's not we're not tantalised by it, so I don't I don't know what I think of it. I like it. I'll never choose it as a favourite, but I don't think that's its fault because I I don't think there's much wrong with it apart from the men's costumes. Um, and it's probably production-wise, especially with Michael Ferguson's direction, as good as any of those sort of, as I say, a lost classics that we think so much about. But it's because perhaps I should go missing. Perhaps 
perhaps perhaps I'll be well I often say that when I'm doing my stand-up people appreciate me when I'm dead uh, perhaps that's it perhaps perhaps you only it's only when people can't have you anymore that they start to appreciate you so my my ex-wives will be crying into their pillows no <laughs> yeah yeah go on I'll have that <laughs> so so I'm sorry seeds of death I think you probably your reputation would be higher I don't think many people dislike it do they it's a uh, and Jay obviously doesn't, but I, I, I think you might have benefited from uh, doing what Peter Kay does. You know, he, he, he doesn't. Uh, the comedian Peter Kay, he doesn't do something every year. He, he limits the amount that we see him. And if you limit your exposure, people want you more. So what you should have done, Seeds Death, is after you've been out on VHS, you just say, "I'm not coming. Let make me the last DVD. Then people will really want me and appreciate me." Um, and I have to say, it did take on another lease of life, being being remastered for dvd having having had it on the uh only on the uh the edited vhs uh, which i think i did did i have i must have i i must have had an episode version or did i do you know what? I, i'm not sure that i did i think i'd seen it anyway you don't need to get into that but did i did i not have an episode no i must have done because i because i know that pyramids of mars was pretty much the last because I, I had the edited version of that. And I, I think I'd got a UK gold version of this. I think I'd got a UK gold version of this, uh, just which 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 gave me the episode endings. Yes. Yes. Oh, I bet you're glad you knew that. How long is this goodbye? It's taking forever, especially as I'm supposed to be in a hurry. I'm going away now. Uh, I've taken long. It would have taken... You'd have you've got, got to the moon quicker via TMATS than I took to end this episode. But it's nice to talk to you, actually. Um, and uh, it's nice to know that you're there. And I hope you enjoyed that episode and that story as much as I did. I wonder if you like the seeds of death. I wonder if you take it for granted. I wonder if you, who are perhaps listeners who weren't of the time when it came out on VHS in edited form, and you just came to it as a story, I sort of envy you in a way, because you probably have a, a more rounded view of it. But then again, it was, oh, it was so amazing have six episodes of black and white in my hand on my shelf or anyway uh, I'll see you some other time Uh, a time that will be happy in a place that I hope will be the same thanks for listening ta-ta Thank you very much for listening to this omnibus edition of Happy Times and Places, in which Jay Butler Moore set me, Toby Haydoke, the task of enjoying the seeds of death, and what an easy one it was, made easier by the patrons to this podcast series to whom I'm indebted, and they include Luke Atkins, Peter Adamson, Will Brooks, Peter Burns, Richard Byatt, Alex Kaffajoglu, Paul Carnahan, Andy Case, Richard Chalk, John Curley, Mark Dakin, Gary Gillett, Ian Gillespie, James Gould, Lisa C. Greco, Dave Hoskin, Jessica Jones, Andrew Jordan, Clive Lewis, Guy Lambert, James Lark, Gavin McLean, David Matthewman, John McClay, Ross McPhillips, Stuart Mitchell, Nathan Moore, Matthew Newton, Dave Owen, Melvin Pena, Keith Pirry, Jonathan Potter, Dylan Rees, John Rivers, and Ruben Herfindahl. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates, and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. 
If you would care to join that illustrious list, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke and join for as little as £3 a month. You can also get a 10% discount on that if you sign up for a whole year. There are bonus goodies, there are advanced goodies, and there's all sorts of other silly stuff, including pictures of my dog. Well, that's not part of the deal, but I've started putting them up and people kind of like them. Uh, and uh, your help is greatly appreciated. They help me keep these motoring along. You can also make a one-off donation at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby if you'd prefer. But if you can do neither, and I know that times are tough, and also I know that people don't always uh, want to pay for podcasts, and that's absolutely fine. It's the new way of doing things. But you know what's also the new way of doing things? Massaging the algorithms of those whose stuff you consume. And if you enjoy consuming this, I'll tell you what you can do. You can go to iTunes, you can go to wherever you get your podcasts and give these Toby Haydock's time travels five stars and also perhaps leave a positive review that doesn't take a moment and you know what it really really helps to get passing trade so that i'm not just standing on a street corner (laughs) throwing out facts about doctor who supporting actors i mean i do that as well I'm actually a comedian, you know. Yeah, you could have fooled us. Yeah, well, that and other jokes can be sampled at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club, which I do live in the flesh. I'm real. Uh, in Manchester, UK, 8pm every Tuesday, Excess Malarkey Comedy Club, The Breadshed in Manchester. Now, that may scupper you geographically, so you can sample it online at twitch.tv forward slash Malarkey on the first Sunday of every month where we do a special online show uh, featuring me and four comedians from around the world. And it's rather good and it's absolutely free. And the Comedy Club has been running for 24 years and so uh, hopefully it's doing something right. But you'd be very, very welcome along. You can also follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydoke, these podcasts on at Haydoke Podcasts and you can check out my website www tobyhaydoke.com I also have a page on Facebook to keep you abreast of all of the silly things I'm doing in order to put food on the table dum 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 That was worth waiting for, wasn't it? No. Oh, but actually, here's the thing. When I was putting this together, I accidentally uh, recorded over the master recording of episode four. So I had to lift that from the transmission version. And I've no idea if that's caused a difference in quality or a droppage or a different sound sort of quality in the ears, but uh, that means it's possible that this might be a bit like the VHS, where suddenly between episodes three and four, there's a huge change in quality. I don't know, I'm cloth-eared. But uh, yeah, it was from a different source, because unfortunately, a Pamela Nashed, the uh, master track of episode four, um, by forgetting to uh, relabel it when I started editing episode five. So it's gone forever. <laughs>